BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It is Wednesday, April 24th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, we welcome back legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. Illinois State Rep Ann Williams will join us. And we welcome for the first time in our brand new studio, Ben, put on your big boy pants, Personal Pack CEO Terry Cosgrove. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this. You get the idea Wednesday, and here's why. So, in my never-ending pursuit of knowledge that will make me a better person, I'm taking lessons from Rahm Emanuel on how to be a better journalist. What's that you say, folks? Rahm's a politician. What could he possibly teach me? about journalism. Well, what you don't know or what you might not know is that Mayor Rahm's got a lot of time on his hands since he decided not to run for re-election. And he's taking to writing a column for the Atlantic. And yesterday, he weighed in on Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> Pete Shaker Buttigieg. Mayor Pete of South Bend. Well, if this guy wins and becomes president, you're screwed. You cannot say this guy's name. Peter Buttigieg. Anyway, apparently Rom's a huge fan of Mayor Pete, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who's running for president as a Democrat. Very impressed with him for many different reasons Rom is, among which he, Buttigieg, is a Rhodes Scholar, a Harvard grad, and a veteran who served in Afghanistan. And he's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Anyway, Rom loves this guy. But the column that Rom wrote it also gives Rom an opportunity to chide journalists for not asking the proper questions of Buttigieg. Now, I, I would know you would say that a mayor who spent most of his career ducking and dodging and evading and misleading and just downright making stuff up as he goes along would be the last guy any journalist would turn to for tips on finding the truth. But like I said, I'm all about self-improvement, people. So I've decided I'm going to take some advice from Mayor Rahm, all right? So Mayor Rahm writes that reporters are spending way too much time commenting on Mayor Pete's sexual preference. Turns out Mayor Pete's gay. Now, personally, I don't know any reporters who spend a lot of time talking about that. They mention that. It's part of the narrative. Mayor Pete talks about that. He has his husband with him when he goes on the campaign trail, so reporters mention that. But nobody is, like, obsessed with it. But see, folks, what Mayor what Mayor Rahm has learned to do is you set up a straw man to knock him down. It's the first trick of the trade of deceitful column writing. This guy's already a master of the craft, dude. He just started it. 
Anyway, Rom wants us to ask questions uh, like this. Let me go to the story. Hold on. It's on my phone. Okay. I'm quoting Rom's article. When lots of his peers at Harvard and Oxford grabbed their diploma and headed off to Wall Street or Silicon Valley, Mayor Pete decided to serve his country in the military. Why? What spurred that decision? What did he learn from the experience beyond which what he saw on the battlefield? Why does he think more Americans aren't choosing to serve their country in the same way? That's the kind of question Rom wants reporters to ask of Mayor Pete. In other words, they're questions designed as hard-hitting questions that are really intended to butter up Mayor Pete. You know? <laughs> so I'm like, ah, oh, yes. It's like you act like a lion but roll over like a lamb. So to give you an idea how this is acts, this is in would put into practice, I am now going to interview Dennis. Huh? <laughs> you ready? All right. So Dr. D. Yeah, not a doctor. <laughs> it's been said that the ladies all love you for your body and your mind. What do you take greater pride in, your body or your mind? Mm, no one really <laughs> says that, but... Uh... My mind. Uh, okay, that's how you ask a question. Or how about this one? You know, Dennis, you're just such a fabulously wonderful guy. Huh. Can I touch your head? I mean, I'm bald. <laughs> Got some stubble there. You can touch that. Okay, and, uh, Dennis, a uh, final question. Okay. You know, you're so unbelievably good looking. Oh. Did you ever look in the mirror in the morning when you're shaving and say, you know, just burst in the song like Minnie Ripperton, loving me, it's easy cause I'm beautiful. Never, okay. no singing. <laughs> All right, folks, you get the idea. We have a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson will be here. He'll be talking Trump, 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 and more Trump. Yeah, I got the impeachment que question for absolutely everybody watching the studio today. I got all the questions, all the issues of obstruction of justice laid out from the Mueller report. So should we impeach Donald Trump and all their issues of the day with uh, Monroe Anderson, our Trump expert? Ann Williams, State Representative Ann Williams, will be in the studio talking about state house politics. And, of course, 2.30. Man, have I been looking forward to this. TC, get those big boy pants on. Terry Cosgrove from Personal Pack will be in the studio. Talk about all the political issues of the day, particularly on the reproductive rights front. So a lot of political talk ahead of us. But before we do any of that, I just have to say, ask... The fabulously good-looking <laughs> and wonderfully talented Dr. D. Do you have the local news? Oh, I got the national news. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, new listeners, uh, that big boy pants thing, uh, Terry Cosgrove was a uh, a guest on our last show, you know, the one where, uh, you know, mm. they got fired from. You mean the uh, show where they said, get out of uh, here. Get lost, right, Jarofsky. Yeah. Take all these newspapers with you, you weirdo. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah. on our last show, uh, Terry Cosgrove was a guest, and uh, in voting for J.B. Pritzker, we were kind of on the fence, I guess, and uh, Terry told Ben, oh, put on your big boy pants. Yeah, he wanted me to vote for Pritzker. He was so bad. Stop complaining and vote for Pritzker. All right, it's the middle of the day. Let's mm. talk about that national news happening this afternoon. Ben, if you could, please put on that uh, hazmat suit. Oh. I brought you there over in the corner. Uh-oh. Because, yeah, if the national news is, is nothing but a bunch of hot garbage today. <laughs> And you know that can only mean one thing these days, Trump tweets.
Lots and lots of Trump <laughs> tweets. Yeah. This morning in a series of tweets, our president threatened to close down the border. Mm-hmm. He obviously ranted like a madman about the Mueller report. Cue the ukulele. <laughs> the Mueller report, yeah. despite being written by angry Democrats and Trump haters. Oh, God. And with unlimited money behind it, $35,000, million didn't lay a glove on me. I did nothing wrong. If the partisan Dems ever tried to impeach, I would first head to the U.S. Supreme Court. Not only what? are there no high crimes oh. and mis- the, the, tri- the tweet went on. Oh, Second okay. tweet. <laughs> are there no high crimes and misdemeanors? There are no crimes by me at all. All of the crimes were committed by crooked Hillary, the Dems, the DNC, and dirty cops. And we caught them in the act. We've waited for Mueller and won. <laughs> so now the Dems Trump look to the Congress. I'm not done. <laughs> okay, sorry, Donald. As the Dems look to Congress as last hope. All right, folks. That uh, Trump is uh, doubling down on his uh, blago tac- tactics, and that before that it was Johnny Cochran in the OJ trial, where you just attack and assault the prosecutors uh, to avoid discussion of what you did. So I will just point out. Uh, that today's New York Times has this uh, great uh, compendium of all the charges against Donald Trump. And from time to time, I'll be asking people who come into the studio whether they think uh, these are impeachable offenses. So I'd ask, first question would be for Donald Trump, uh, is this obstruction of justice? And I'll just read the first charge. Here we go. Headline, Trump tried to fire Mueller after learning in June 2017 that he was under investigation over possible obstruction of justice, Mr. Trump ordered the White House counsel Donald F. McGahn II over the phone to have the Justice Department fire Mr. Mueller based on the president's view that the special counsel had a conflict of interest. Mr. Trump backed off after Mr. McCann refused to carry out the directive and prepared to resign in protest. Hmm, is this obstruction of justice when you ask your chief lawyer to fire the guy who's investigating investigating you? Or is it not obstruction of justice because that lawyer refused to do so? That's a discussion that I think Donald Trump should answer. So, you know, well, is he just saying that, well, I tried to obstruct justice, but I couldn't do it because my lawyer wouldn't do it? Is that his defense? Hmm, okay. That's like saying, well, I tried to murder somebody. I had the knife out. But someone steps stop me from doing so. So that's the Trump defense, Steve. So on his uh, Twitter tirade, uh, he also threw a jab over at Obama. Former CIA analyst Larry Johnson, not the basketball player, CIA analyst, <laughs> accuses United Kingdom intelligence of helping Obama administration spy on the 2016 Trump presidential campaign. Wow. <laughs> it is now just a question of time before the truth comes out. And when it does... It will be a beauty. Uh, yeah, it will be a beauty. All right, well, Al, since he's dis- uh, discussing uh, past alleged crimes by presidents, let's go to another uh, accusation in the Mueller report. Trump punished McCann, that uh, lawyer I just mentioned, to deny the attempt to fire Mueller. Or, excuse me, Trump pushed McCann to deny the attempt to fire Mueller. Mr. Trump's attempt to fire Mr. Mueller came in light, uh, came to light in news reports in January 2018. Mr. Trump repeatedly pushed his lawyer, Mr. McCann, to state that the president had not directed him to fire Mr. Mueller and to write a memo for our records denying the reports. Although Mr. Trump threatened to fire him if he did not comply, Mr. Mueller refused, saying the articles were accurate. So, let me get this straight. So the claim is it's not obstruction of justice if McCann uh, doesn't do what you want him to do and fire Mueller. 
Well, is it obstruction of justice if you ask McCann, uh, I can't get his name right, uh, if you ask your lawyer McCann to lie and deny that you asked him to fire Mueller? Is that obstruction of justice? I'm just asking you, Donald Trump, maybe you should tweet about that, D. By the way, on his way to Atlanta via helicopter, who was he, Arnold Schwarzenegger? Trump weighed in on the Democratic <laughs> investigations against him, saying, quote, we're fighting all the subpoenas. Yeah, okay. Oh, my goodness. In other news nationally, the longest-serving Republican in the Iowa's legislature mm. is becoming a Democrat. Yeah, I saw this. Representative Andy McKean said he is making the switch after 40 years in the Iowa State House. Why? Well, because the amount of moderates in the party has thinned in favor of candidates like Trump who favor partisanship. Here's the quote from McKean at a press conference, quote, with the 2020 presidential election looming on the horizon, I feel as a Republican that I need to be able to support the standard bearer of our party. Unfortunately, that's something I'm unable to do. Ben, do you see any Republicans following suit leading into the 2020 elections? Well, no, I think that most of the Republicans who have fled the Republican Party because of Donald Trump have already done so, uh, either by not running for re-election uh, or um, by uh, just very quietly. Or a lot of them did in 2016 where they announced that they were going to uh, endorse Hillary Clinton. Uh, now, the interesting thing about Iowa uh, Dennis, where this Andy McKean is uh, a representative and he's moving to, from the Republican to the Democrat, is that the state very much remains um, in the hands of Trump, if you will. I saw there's a recent poll uh, by the Des Moines Register newspaper said 90 percent of Republicans in Iowa thought uh, Donald Trump was doing a uh, pretty good job. But here's the interesting thing. This shows you how polls sometimes are very uh, Ah, they give conflicting messages. 40%, follow me in this, folks, 40% of Republicans, when asked, said they hope Trump has a challenger. So 90% he was, said he was doing a good job, but 40% said he, they want him to have a challenger. 41% said they hope he doesn't have a challenger. And 19% said they're not sure. Oh, I can't make up my mind, as always, unsure. So I, maybe it... It's it's uh, it sends a message that William Weld, who is um, talking about the former governor of Massachusetts, who says he's going to run a uh, challenge in the Republican uh, primaries against Donald Trump. Maybe there is a number of people uh, in the Republican Party who are willing to vote against Donald Trump. I don't know. Forty percent say they uh, they want uh, to him to have a challenger uh, that suggests that even though they like the overall job he's doing, um, they're uncomfortable with him as the standard bearer of the Republican Party. So, um, you know, maybe there's uh, William Well gets 30 to 40 percent of the vote in the Republican primary. That's really going to hurt Donald Trump going into the general election. Oh, hey, looks like left wing Limbaugh's joined us on the uh, YouTube live stream oh, I chat. Love left wing. All What's right. up, buddy? How's it going? <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, Viren DB says, good afternoon. Well, that's nice of you. Thanks. All right. Well, we asked all of you the same question on both Facebook and Twitter pages. Will more Republicans follow the lead of this McKean feller and join the Democratic Party? We have a few of your comments to read here on the Facebook page. Uh, like Greg's comment, Greg says, Leech Republican then must have voted with Republicans. How much? Mansion? Snow? Not so big. Okay. Valerie weighed in, says, in answer to your question, I wouldn't be surprised. I saw the Republican former governor of Massachusetts on Lawrence O'Donnell's show last night, and he had nothing nice to say about him. I don't think he's leaving the party, but I think he's going to run for president. Yeah, that's William Weld. 
and kind of liked what the 73 or so year old man had to say. He was a breath of fresh air and reminded me of the moderate Republicans of yesteryear. I thought they were gone. Be like these folks here and weigh in on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page at Benny J Show. Also on Twitter at Benny J Show. Uh, ben, can you spell that last name for him, please? J O R A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. We're going to be reading your comments throughout today's program. Like Valerie's comment, Valerie says, hey, he reminds me of Alec Baldwin. Who does, me or Alec? Uh, you, no, oh, McKean. Wh- oh, okay. <laughs> oh, get over yourself, Jarofsky. Uh, yeah, the young Alec Baldwin. <laughs> you know, Dennis, uh, was it Red Hunt for October or whatever that movie Hunt for was? Red October. Oh, well, I had the you know reversal dyslexia. How have I gotten this far to business? Now, of course, we will keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. Benny J., we're moving forward. Yes, sir, we are. You ready to find out what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this morning or this afternoon? Uh, <laughs> I was born ready. Love that answer. Always a fantastic answer because coming up after this short little break, people, we're going to find out what is, else is news. I, can't, I, I cannot <laughs> talk today. We're going to find out what else is news. I can't wait. The doctor's going to pluck that little trick out of his little sleeve. We'll see what it is when we return. At Chicago Land Cremation Options, we are committed to listening, educating, and guiding your family through the cremation process. Whether it is time of death or when planning your wishes for the future, Chicagoland Cremation Options can accommodate you at an affordable price and with great dignity. Avoid funeral home costs with direct access to a crematory for a cremation. Chicagoland Cremation Options, just south of O'Hare, five minutes west of Chicago. It's a family-owned business and operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Visit it at ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time, Chicagoland CremationOptions.com. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Uh. Oh, yeah. Jeff Manuel. <laughs> what a pianist. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, we are indeed live. By the way, i got to give a shout-out to my good friend, uh, Kitty Kurtz. She said, Ben, do me a favor. Uh, tell people about the House Theater of Chicago presenting Pinocchio, a tall tale about telling the truth. Pinocchio, a tall tale about telling the truth. Man, I know all about telling the truth. We were just talking about that a little while ago. Rom lecturing journalists on how to tell the truth. Donald Trump lecturing everybody on the truth. 
truth. But they can learn a thing or two from Pinocchio about telling the truth, huh? At least you know when Pinocchio's not telling the truth. Oh, Pinocchio. When's that show again? Uh, uh, Pinocchio, a tall tale about telling the truth. May 19th at the Chopin Theater in Wicker Park. C-H-O-P-I-N. That's how you spell it. The House Theater has been proudly producing original plays and, and events for 18 years. You want more information? www.thehousetheater.com. You Two got- W's, guys. <laughs> www <laughs> world wrestling federation www.thehousetheater.com and all right what you got for me boy it's 2019 you don't really need the www these days yeah what the heck all right we're about to find out what's going on locally it's time mm-hmm. for what else is news and right after his first 100 days as governor literally on day 101 and yes right after a somewhat oh, glowing yeah. 100 day gubernatorial performance review from the ben jarofsky show <laughs> i believe we gave him a b minus isn't that right did i give him an a for something not at all it was oh, a b minus okay. <laughs> Illinois. There's a lot of uh, incompletes, as I recall, in that Yeah, grade. our guests gave him incompletes, yeah. but Ben gave him a B-. Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker gets caught up in another property tax scandal. Mm. More on that in a moment. But first, Ben Jarofsky, I don't know about you, buddy, but I'm starting to get Illinois congressional district race fever. <laughs> Check my temperature. <laughs> In the last month oh, or so, man. in the last month or so, we've been yeah. seeing more congressional candidates coming out of the woodwork. We've got barely Democrat Dan Lipinski's rematch from hell with actual Democrat Marie Newman to look forward to. She recently announced that she'll be running again in the third congressional district race. Yesterday, we discussed Congressman Sean Caston's potential sixth congressional opponent. Former Bruce Rauner Lieutenant Governor Evelyn Sanguinetti. Ben, what were your thoughts on that oh, again? Oh, man, come on, Evelyn Sanguinetti. She just got finished running for Lieutenant Governor unsuccessfully, I might say. Now she's already decided that uh, Sean Caston has not done his job. How many months has it been? Three months? Give the guy a chance for crying out. You know, hey, folks, I gave Rahm Emanuel three months. Three months, D, all right? How much have I given Lori Lightfoot? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Miles Porter has entered the building. I love it when Miles Porter enters the building. Uh, anyway, I gave Mayor Rom three months. So come on, give him a chance. All right, hey, uh, Miles, I think our guests are outside, by the way. Yeah. Are they? <laughs> you may have walked right past them. Yeah. <laughs> That's good times. Hey. All right, so uh, yeah, yesterday we talked about Sanguinetti. Now, if you recall, people, the blue wave was huge Mm -hmm. in illinois uh in 2018 election back in november a lot of districts flipped democrat ben watch out there's a blue wave coming through ouch yeah a lot of those uh districts flipped democrat uh well we have a new republican challenger in one of those districts his name is ted grottle oh yeah grottle he Mm -hmm. is looking to challenge democrat lauren underwood in the 14th district and ben colored me concerned here but i'm afraid this guy could be a threat because ted grottle already already has his very first campaign ad out and in it we learned something about this fellow, this grottle. He was involved in a in a in an activity that rural, middle of nowhere Americans are really, really into. Ted Grottle used to play college football. Oh, yeah. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. And to make him even more of a political threat, he played for white middle of nowhere Illinois' favorite college football team, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Mm. He played the white guy's position, <laughs> kicker. 
Oh, no. And his first ad features dialogue from legendary Notre Dame coach Lou Holtz. My God, just throw in an endorsement from New Balance and white people will have their perfect candidate. Uh, He's ready to go, huh? Grottle recently tweeted about his 14th congressional candidacy announcement. Uh Throwing in a little dig to Lauren Underwood here. Here's the uh, tweet from Grottle. I've never run for office before, but when I see Democrats like at Lauren Underwood trying to push the country, country toward policies that harm our individual freedom and threaten our strong economy i know i can't stay on the sidelines sidelines a football reference this guy's good so without further ado here's the first campaign ad uh from the first republican challenger to lauren underwood in the 14th congressional district ted grottle let me tell you about an underdog a field goal kicker a walk on at notre dame He didn't start all four years. He asked for a fifth year. I told him to get a job. He wouldn't give up, so I gave him a shot. Now my team, he kicked his way to the top. On its way. Pat ties it with his longest field goal of the season. All right, that's enough. <laughs> Things like three minutes long. Oh so, Pendrowski, what are your thoughts here on Ted Grottle? Weigh in here uh, and this 14th congressional. All right, well, race. it's similar to my attitude about what's going on with Emily Sanguinetti in the um, uh, was the the sixth congressional against uh, Sean Caston. Uh, Obviously, from the moment the Democrats won, the Republicans were plotting to take back the seats. That's politics, folks. So it's not as though there's a track record they're running against. It's just they want to get those seats back. All right. They had those seats and they want them back. And so they're just, you know, neither Kasten or Underwood are Ben Jarofsky Democrats. They're all more in the middle. They're more centrist types, but they're trying to put my head on their body. Okay. Or more likely, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's head on there, and they're trying to make scare people in the suburbs into somehow thinking that uh, centrist Democrats are extremists on issues of the economy, which is very bizarre. Ted Grottle suddenly, you know, like we're free liberty. Liberty is under assault. I mean, P- Donald Trump just passed a huge tax break that makes the wealthier even wealthier. So how is that suddenly under assault? They're doing away with environmental regulations. How is that under assault? All of Gurney is going to be underwater because Wisconsin has decided not to have any kind of environmental oversight over Foxconn. How is that under assault? And yet, by the way, D, just can I just say this right now? I mean, you know, it is my radio show, podcast. All of a sudden, it's okay to have a, a jock, Lou Holtz, or a Ted Grottle, you know, have political opinions. Republicans love it when celebrity jocks have a political opinions that support Republicans. But, you know, when it's Colin Kaepernick, just stand and play football. When it's LeBron J- James, just dribble. Remember that? Isn't that interesting? All of a sudden, oh, the great political philosopher, Lou Holtz, is weighing in. And same thing with Ditka. Remember, oh, Ditka, Mike Ditka. You know, he, the guy, Mike Ditka was like a little to the right of Ronald Reagan, and Republicans loved him. So when he talks, it's like, oh, yeah, it's a wise man. But when LeBron James says something, just dribble a basketball. Isn't that interesting, D? So Ted Grottle, the mm-hmm. new opponent here for Lauren Underwood. We're going to have to wait and see how this one turns out. You know what out. she's going to do? 
She's going to block that kick, baby. Oh, that was All good. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. Under, hire this guy right here for your campaign. Underwood block that kick. Blocks the, by the way, how about Damian Lillard last night? Oh, hey, sports talk, oh, sorry, huh? Right in the middle of uh, the politic talk, huh? It's Lauren Underwood. It's going to be like Damian Lillard. Grottle's going to be defending her. Bam! Step okay, back. We're moving on. Oh, JB, what the hell, bro? Oh, come on, JB. Here we were yesterday mm-hmm. giving you some props mm-hmm. on your first 100 days as B governor. Minus. Guys, a B- minus from Ben Jarofsky's pretty good, all right? By the way, Monroe Anderson has entered the building. Monroe Anderson has entered the building. Here we are, day 101, and this happened. Democratic Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker, his wife, and his brother-in-law are under federal criminal investigation for a dubious residential property tax appeal that dodged him during his gubernatorial campaign last year, WBEZ has learned. A law enforcement source familiar with the investigation confirmed to WBEZ that the probe, which has not been revealed publicly until now, began last October and remains active. There are no signs that criminal charges are imminent. Yes, okay, but let's uh, give credit where credit is due. Yes, the name of the station is WBZ, but the reporter who did the work, who got his hands dirty in that, the great Dave McKinney, who, by the way, was on this show. All right, you can download it, but not now, of course, because you're going to be listening to me and you and Monroe Anderson. But uh, after the show, Dave McKinney talking about Bogoyevich. So McKinney spent his time investigating Bogoyevich, and now he's investigating Pritzker. And this is a story we talked about so much last year, uh, Toilet Gate. And that is, of course, uh, has to do with the complexities of our property tax system in Chicago and Cook County. And the lower the value of your property, the less you pay in taxes. And uh, J.P. Pritzker's value, the value of J.P. Pritzker's Gold Coast Mansion was lowered, to put it mildly, because he had no toilets in the <laughs> So the accusation is that he removed the toilets or had the toilets removed so we'd have a lower property tax value. And at the time, D, when this first emerged, I'm like... You're a billionaire. You're spending tens of millions, $170 million total to be governor of the state of Illinois. Why are you messing around with nickel-dime property taxes? You save, I think, $330,000 is what Dave McKinney's story says on property taxes. And because of that savings, you're jeopardizing all the goodwill you want to do as governor of the state of Illinois. What are the... You know, I, I, I just so find it so frustrating. And you watch Monroe Anderson. You're here. I know you're here to talk about Trump, but you watch the Republicans are going to use this to try to torpedo his fair tax uh, proposal. You know, the idea of a yeah, of course. But what he did is what millionaires and billionaires do. That is Trump correct. Does the same thing all the time. That is correct. In, our very think, eyes, in front of our very eyes. So do you think the Republicans are going to criticize Trump for doing it? Well, if if I were JB, I would flip it back on him. And, and do what? I, I, would, I would mention things that Trump has done, you know, because we're in the age of what about about-isms anyway. So what I'd do if I were JB is say, well, what about Trump? <laughs> I, I think we're going to hear a lot of what about-isms uh, coming out of JB Pritzker. Now, fellas, get ready, because I don't know if you can hear that. There's a bus pulling into the, to, uh, the Sun-Times studio here. WBEZ has also confirmed that Illinois First Lady M.K. Pritzker's personal assistant, who is involved in the property tax appeal, Christine Lovely, is being represented by one of Chicago's most high-powered lawyers. Her attorney, Reed Shar, is a former federal prosecutor who helped convict ex-Illinois Governor Rob Lagojevich on corruption charges. Yeah, 
McKinney's world. Again, it's Dave McKinney, uh, investigative reporter who who, uh, covered so much of Bogoyevich and did that great podcast on Public Figure A, which you can hear all about by downloading our show after today's show. Absolutely, after Uh, today's show. And his world is coming together. You know, this is something that happens. You all know this. A federal prosecutor, uh, after about, you know, learning the tricks of the trade for eight or nine, ten years, then becomes a criminal defense lawyer, makes huge amounts of money, you know, putting to work all the tricks of the trades that he mastered as a federal prosecutor uh, on behalf of the well-to-do, right, Monroe? It's yeah. an old thing. In the... and, and, and he also uses his connections. Yes, his connections. So... <laughs> You know, I don't know. Nobody that nobody don't know. Absolutely. By the way, should we put a cap on the amount of money a criminal defense lawyer makes? There's a cap on the amount of money a federal prosecutor makes. Should we put a cap just to make things even? What do you think, Monroe? There's an idea. You I, know? I like it. I like All right. We like that idea. There you go. Like Ben said. Of course, Dave, I'm not a lawyer. Yeah, so you're not a criminal that. defense lawyer. <laughs> hey, I'm not a doctor. All right. Uh, so to hear more, like Ben said, with that Dave McKitty po- uh, podcast, we did that bonus interview. Go check it out. Uh, it's at chicagoreader.com, chicago.suntimes.com, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And uh, Monroe Anderson would love this interview because there's so much foul language. <laughs> oh, my but God. We're cleaning up our language because now we're uh, being ro- rebroadcast on Lumpin' Radio. So <laughs> yeah. uh, we're cleaning up our language. Yeah, at least for one episode because I just got to mail them a best of, of okay, uh, an episode. So, so at least right. for one out of the week. You okay. know what I mean? And just like that, though, you are now in the know of what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois. And now, people, you will have an answer. The next time someone asks you, hey, what else is news? All right, let me tell you something. Tell me. Something Terry Cosgrove will be our guest at 2.30. Oh, hey, Terry. Something that Terry Hanratty used to play football for Notre Dame since we're on that Notre Dame thing. Oh, my thing. God. Don't run for anything political. And something that Terry Jones, kid I went to junior high with. All agree. You did a great job. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. We'll be right back with the great Monroe Anderson after this. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show yes indeed we're back monroe anderson as you know is in the studio and that means one thing trump 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 the man knows more about donald trump than anyone alive including donald trump so monroe let's get right down to business here i don't know as much as Mueller. yeah that's true well i don't yeah uh that's true Mueller knows more than anyone right right now exactly or at least the people compiled his report um so i'm having a field day with the Mueller report i got to tell you that and the new york times is making my life very easy they did this great 
um, little cheat sheet yeah. for uh, the Mueller report and yeah. whether Trump should be impeached. Right. And um, so Donald Trump, we had his tweets earlier today uh, it, where he said, you know, already he's blasting Democrats, saying I did nothing, and he wants everybody to investigate the Democrats. Um, so the, here's all these items on that Mueller found that Trump did. Yeah. Are, are you talking about the 10 op, um, obstructive yes. <laughs> actions? Yeah. Where he, he spells it out so nicely. He goes, obstructive action, um, nexus, intent. <laughs> Obstruction, obstructive action, nexus, intent. Yeah. It goes through one after the other. All right. So I know you've been uh, making the rounds uh, at other media outlets. Uh, you're become a media superstar in Donald Trump. So I have to ask you, uh, do you think... Yes. The Democrats, <laughs> I mean, even, uh, yes, <laughs> should impeach Donald Trump um, tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Okay, right. but we have a complication already. Uh -huh. He's instructed all of his staff to ignore the subpoenas. So what he has in effect done is move the stone wall from the Mexican border because the Mexicans refuse to pay for it to Washington, D.C. And he's stonewalling. Very well done, yes. So uh, he's instructed them to ignore congressional subpoenas. Yes. All right, so what does that mean? Means um, he's stalling for time. And there's going to be a showdown? It's going to be a there, court showdown. Yeah, yeah, but it may be after the election, after he's been defeated, for all we know. So it another, could take that long. Uh, if they ignore subpoenas, then uh, the Democrats, the, these are subpoenas uh, presumably coming from congressmen, Democratic congressmen. Yeah, from the House Democrats. From the House Democrats. So if, if the, if the uh, staff ignores it, it becomes a constitutional showdown between executive privilege, which what would be. Yeah, except some of it's not even that. I mean, this is what's so crazy about it. For example, uh, with M M McCann. McCann. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have trouble so, with that one, too. Some people say McCann. I've heard two pronunciations, so yeah. I'm always trying to figure out which one I should use. But with McCann, because he permitted McCann, Trump, mm -hmm. permitted McCann to speak to Mueller, he can't say executive privilege now because that's been just wiped off, the, off, off of the um, plague table. Oh, having w uh, once allowed, uh, well, you can always and change your mind. You no, know. and it's public knowledge now. So how can it be an executive privilege if it's in the report? You know, you know McCann is referred to, I think, 150 times yeah. or something in the Mueller report. He was he was a play caller on it. He said, well, you do this, and they did this, and they did that. So, so he can't, he can't. He he can't. He, well, he can try because mm -hmm. Trump doesn't care about that. That's law. the point. He's yeah. lawless. Yeah, I mean, he really is lawless. So he can just go, which is what he's planning on doing, and saying executive privilege. So McCann can't talk. Right. To so even though, as you're pointing out, uh, there is no consistency right. uh, to his argument in right. that it, McCann talked already. So it's. Uh, uh, inconsistent to say he can't talk now, right. uh, even though there's no consistency. You just what you do is you hire. You know this. You hire a lawyer, and the lawyer says X. To, he says the sky is blue uh, on Saturday, and then he says, No, 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 no. I changed my mind. The sky is really green. See, McCann is sort of in a trick bag on this one because he he if he's subpoenaed, he doesn't want to um, face that problem. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand. 
as a Republican, he's he's the right wing's hero because he 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 loaded up the courts with all those young white conservative men, mm-hmm. and so they love him for that, and and so he's got to figure out well, which way do I go on this? You know, do I risk the possibility? of losing my law license or something. Well, speaking of those young uh, lawyers that they put on the Supreme yes. Court, uh, uh, there's an interesting uh, article in the New York Times today that cites one of them, and that would be Justice Kavanaugh. We talked a lot about Justice Kavanaugh when uh, Donald Trump uh, nominated him. Of course, it was a very furious fight. Oh, you mean the Bruce, Brewski boy? Yeah, Brewski boy, Brett Kavanaugh, uh, uh, who loves to rock and roll, or at least to when he was uh, a teenager in uh, right. Washington or suburban America. Maryland, wherever. Uh, anyway, uh, Kavanaugh uh, once wrote a, um, a, law, a law review article where he said, reflecting on investigations of sitting presidents, Justice Kavanaugh, then a federal judge, wrote, the Constitution provides a single mechanism to address presidential misconduct. I'm now I am quoting yeah. uh, Kavanaugh. The country needs a check against a bad behaving or law-breaking president, but the Constitution already provides that check. If the president does something dastardly, the impeachment process is available. That is Justice Kavanaugh writing. Well, <laughs> when, when, when was that? Uh, 2009. Oh, what, what year is this? <laughs> uh, 2019. Uh, 10 years? A lot, a lot of things can change in 10 years. You know what changed? The only thing that changed is that the president at the time in 2009 was a Democrat named Obama, and the president at the time of 2019 is a Republican named Trump, who put Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. Right. And, I mean, did you ever see the um, Lindsey Graham quote? Which one? He, he talked about how, w- when they were going after Clinton, Mm-hmm. He talked about how it's not simply um, what a a president um, says that it's, it's it's more than words that a president should be um, impeached for his actions. So I can't remember, but it's just the opposite, literally just the opposite of what he's saying now. Yeah. Okay. Well, they obviously there's so no there's no principle that they're adhering to. It's strictly a matter of political survival. The Republicans have put all their money on Donald Trump and are going to stay with him right. because they have no choice. Is right. that what you're saying? Exactly. All right. Exactly. So what's the what in your opinion is the political fallout if the Democrats push for impeachment? Okay. The argument. Mm-hmm. As to why not to push for impeachment mm-hmm. is that um, it could fire up Trump's base as if they aren't already fired mm-hmm. up. And um, they will come out and the Democrats could lose the House. Trump could win the election. And then they're re- then the country is ruined forever. I don't I don't buy into that. I, th- I think we should start the hearings tomorrow. <laughs> Don't fool around with it started. And plus, that would that that would help my prediction of Fourth of July. Yeah, <laughs> that prediction's not looking so good right now. Well, we, we are now well, April twenty uh, fourth. Monroe predict. What did you predict the 4th exactly? Fourth of July. That's Donald right. Trump would no longer be president. Yeah, right. He exactly. would have stepped be, down. Be impeached or hightailed it out. All right. Well, that's definitely not happening. <laughs> well, he's not definite. <laughs> definitely don't say definitely. Well, he he, may, uh, he definitely will not be voted uh, out of office uh, by Senate. The Senate will not vote to remove right, him. Right, it won't. No, not going to happen. Exactly. Uh, but impeachment proceedings could be going on at that time. Yeah. All right. So go back to your uh, okay, discussion. Okay. So, okay. So, 
if they start the impeachment mm-hmm. tomorrow, yeah, then they can have the hearings. And, and in fact, they've already um, subpoenaed McGahn. He just has to figure out what he's going to do. And like I said, no easy decision. But they could start calling. They could subpoena Mueller and have them on national TV where all the Americans, voters, can hear them tell the story. And then it'll be one of those situations of who you're going to believe. <laughs> Trump, Trump or Trump or you're lying. Yeah. You know? God bless you, Richard Pryor. Right, exactly. Who, you who, st- who, sto- who stole it from Mar- Marx? One of the Marx brothers, Groucho Marx. Is that right? Yes. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Groucho Marx. The line is, who are you going to believe? Me or your, Me your lying eyes. eyes. Right, yeah, right. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, okay. So then, but you get them in there mm-hmm. and talking about all the things that they know. You yeah. Yeah. McCann could give him a, 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 a long story about all the, the, the dirty deeds Trump was doing. Mm. And, as, and people will tune in for sure. Mm-hmm. People who are not going to read 448 pages of a report, they will watch and some will be impacted by it. You know, um, the problem is that the Democrats and re- some Republicans talk about what happened with Clinton. And they talk about how they impeached Clinton, and Clinton came out of the impeachment more popular than when he went into it. Mm -hmm. And um, that that could happen with Trump. But I say, first of all, with Clinton, there were no hearings. The Republicans were so anxious to impeach him, they didn't bother to call anybody in or anything. It's like, okay, blue dress. Yeah. What's well, there are two separate issues that? here. I mean, uh, we, I actually talked about this a little bit yesterday. Uh, when you compare what Clinton's misdeeds right. to Donald Trump's misdeeds, um, and so Bill Clinton's misdeeds uh, were lying to cover up an affair. Right. Uh, and uh, so a lot of people thought that was an intrusion into his personal life anyway. There was both sides of the yeah, aisle. There were right. some thoughts like exactly. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump is talking about uh, obstructing justice uh, to uh, forego an investigation, uh, to stall an investigation, or whether he was colluding with the Russians uh, to throw the election his way right. and undercut uh, Hillary Clinton and break into her email, you know, right, and right. steal emails right. and all kinds of and, things like and, that, and breaking the amount. You know that. With Mueller's investigation, mm-hmm. there are 14 other uh, investigations that have been spawned out of it, uh, with 12 of them being um, sealed indictments. And so this is anything but over. Trump is in so much, it, it, that's why he's going nuts. You know, <laughs> I mean, he really, I mean, this thing is driving him crazy yeah. because all of his life, he's been able to slither out of this or slither out of that. This time they have him boxed in. Yeah. He's up against the wall. So another thing he's done, I don't know if you saw this or not, but he's threatening to send the armed military mm-hmm. to the southern border. You know that border where the wall is? Yeah, the wall. The Mexicans mm-hmm. not for it. Anyway, he, he's going <laughs> to, and we have these hordes of um, brown people trying to sneak into America. Anyway, he's he's threatening to send armed military down there mm-hmm. because he claims that Mexican um, soldiers fired at some border patrol people. 
And so he's going to send our soldiers down there to shoot at those Mexican soldiers that were shooting at our soldiers. Anything to yeah. do, distract from Anything this investigation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we can have uh, Spanish-American War, too. <laughs> well, um, the, the other issue that the, Demo- the Democrats have to face uh, is a fear that they will look, uh, God, this sounds so bizarre, but that they'll look too political uh, it, it'll look too political of, of an attack they'll look too nasty uh going after right. trump i saw this argument laid out uh look too partisan that's the word right. I, i'm searching and that's for. what trump is calling everything yeah. now partisan this is why he's not going to honor the subpoenas uh and uh and so do you think that that's a legitimate argument to be used like the the democrats are going to go don't want to head into this election uh with like a partisan attack against donald trump uh they should just pretend as though oh yeah of of course they should do that you just like with the the, the republicans uh held up an appointment to the supreme court for a whole year you know, it's like they were ha- wringing their hands. Said, "Well, should we not do this? <laughs> should we should, should we let the, re- the the Democrats have this seat, or what should we do?" Oh dear. Well, I guess we'll run the risk of upsetting somebody by just Beauregard Beauregarding the uh, seat. Yeah, and uh, by the way, Nancy Pelosi, who's currently the Speaker of the House, uh, is saying she's not certain about right. impeachment. She doesn't want to right. drive. So what do you think she's up to with all that? Oh, I think what she's doing, and then this makes sense. You know, when I, t- I talk about starting the impeachment mm-hmm. tomorrow, there is a good argument as to you have, you, you have Mueller in, mm-hmm. and you let people hear what Mueller has to say. Um, you get the unredacted report, and you see what's in there that's under the the, the, the black marks. Mm-hmm. Then you bring him again, and um, at that point, then you go, "Oh my God, I can't believe it! Trump did some impeachable things. <laughs> we have to we have to act on it." <laughs> but you have, but. Uh, um, Many Americans have been exposed to the horrors of Trump. Yeah, so you you think she's doing like a good cop, bad cop routine? Yes. Where she's the good cop, right? Uh, and well, she, not not even so much good cop, bad cop is she is thorough. She wants to do her homework. She likes to do her homework. So she wants enough on the table where the tide will start turning against Trump, which it already is. Before the Mueller report came out. Uh, Trump was at um, approval rating was at forty two, mm-hmm. and then it went down to thirty seven. No, oh, I did not know yeah. that. I oh, missed yeah. that one. Right, thirty seven. Exactly. Yep. After the Mueller report came down. Yeah, out. and uh, and, it, and it, if he goes down three or four more points, this is going to be um, lots of lots lots of Republicans going to be saying Trump who? Yeah. Well, uh, that's an interesting point. Uh, before I go back to Mueller, but I, we talked about this earlier. There's a, a, a state representative in Iowa. Andy McKean, who's a longtime Republican, he's left the Republican Party and he's become a Democrat. We talked about that earlier uh, in the news. Dennis was reading that. But here's an interesting uh, statistic out of Iowa. Yeah. Okay. So Iowa, of course, a bellwether state uh, because it's the first uh, referendum on the presidency. It, uh, it'll be the Iowa caucus in January right. of 2000. And, oh, my goodness. It's right, right around the corner. Exactly. Right. Um, 81% of Republicans, follow me in this, uh, Monroe in Iowa, approve the job that Donald Trump is doing. But 40% 
want him to have a challenger, hope he has a challenger. Yes. I find that very bizarre. It's like if 80%, 81% approve of his job, why would you want him to have a challenge? Right. You know, what, what else is enlightening mm-hmm. is that, okay, the economy really is good. It's, it's, you know, it's as much Obama as it is Trump, mm-hmm. but the economy is very good. The stock market is hitting these records, et cetera. All this good stuff is going on. And still, Trump's disapproval rating is 53%. And so that tells you what a bad president he is. That he has all these things that for any other president, they'd be in the 60 or 70% approval rating because it's all this stuff is going good. Yeah. And even with all that good stuff happening for him, people would say, eh. No, uh, and uh, so how seriously should do you take William Wells, a former governor of Massachusetts, William Wells? Well, you know, we talked about this last week, mm-hmm. if you remember with when you, when you had the, um, I forget his name, but, and I think that William Wells will do enough damage. And now there's also talk of somebody else coming in the, uh, uh, I think it's the former governor of Maryland or something. I can't remember his name, but he just he's 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 feeling it out now. So we may have two or three challengers before it's over. Well, the, yeah, the discussion we had last week, and I remember this one now. It's coming back to me. Uh, no Democrat, uh, excuse me, no sitting president has right. won re-election uh, after being challenged. Right. Uh, and I could only think of a couple who would, and then people were texting in. Uh, right, all the, right. Gerald Ford was challenged right. uh, by Ronald Reagan, and uh, George Bush was challenged by Patrick Buchanan. Oh, God, I, yeah. I put that one out of yeah, my right. mind. That was uh, hor- horrific uh, indeed. And uh, uh, yeah, and so if William Wald uh, does run against Donald Trump, uh, that would further weaken him. And I actually agree with you. I mean, I'm playing devil's advocate yeah. here uh, yeah. on the whole issue of impeachment. Right. Uh, I, I take it as a principle thing. I mean, I'll, I'll, oh, I'll exactly. read you another no, one. I, I agree. It is a principle. I mean, there's it, these are serious allegations. Here we go. I'm just, I'm just put my finger down on this one. Trump urged Comey to drop Flynn investigation. Here's a from this is from the Mueller report. In right. February 2017, Mr. Trump cleared the Oval Office to privately discuss with James Comey, then the FBI director, his former national security advisor Michael T. Flynn. The president said, "Quote, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go," which Mr. Comey interpreted as a direction to drop an investigation into whether Mr. Flynn had lied to the FBI about his conversation with the Russian ambassador. Mr. Trump has denied the account, which Mr. Comey detailed in contemporaneous notes and later testified about under oath. So if that's not obstruction of justice. Oh, yeah. No, but see, Trump, Trump runs a crime family. He has run a crime family for some time. In fact, it occurred to me Now we all love the Sopranos. Mm hmm. Well, with, with Trump, they could be called the falsettos. <laughs> but, but anyway, he... he Monroe yeah. and Anderson's got a million of them, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> anyway, what he does is he speaks like a mobster. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, um, what, what if a horse's head shows up on somebody's bed, on, on somebody's bed tomorrow morning? Wouldn't that be horrible? Now, he didn't say, go cut off this guy's race ho- racing horse and put it on his bed. He asked the question and then asked as one of his people, 
you know, okay, let me go find his horse and cut its head off and put it on his bed in the morning. Well, do you think it's a legitimate defense? Uh, I can hear this defense coming. Yeah. Uh, yes, they'll say uh, Donald Trump did want uh, to obstruct justice, but he couldn't actually obstruct justice because his aides refused to follow his orders and commands and either said, I'm not going to do it or just pretended the order didn't come. That will be an argument. Uh, oh, that's been, they've been making, been making that argument already. All right. So what's your reaction to that argument? Um, the reaction to the argument is that he, he came at it too many ways and too, uh, too, and too many times. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it'd be, it'd be one thing if um, I, I, I got mad at you and said, we're never going to be friends again, Ben. Mm-hmm. And um, this, is, this is, I'll never show, be on your show again. But then if we bump into each other t- t- tomorrow, I say, well, okay, well, what are we going to talk about? Yeah, on the show. <laughs> on the show, right. Yeah. That's one thing. But yeah. it's another, if I, I, I say, I'm never going to be on your show, our friendship is over. You call me, and I, and I don't pick up the phone. And then I tell Dennis, I'm never going to be on Ben's show again. At some point, then you have to take me seriously. Although Trump does go from one extreme to the other, sometimes in, in a, two sentences. Yeah, yeah in other but words. But it happened too many times in too many different ways. I mean, um, Rush, um, with the obstruction of, of, um, of justice, he tried to fire Mueller, mm-hmm. and, and he asked one person to do it, and that person didn't. Then he called up Corey Lindowski, yeah, and he tried to get Corey to do it. Corey wasn't even working in <laughs> no. government at yeah. that time, but he told him. And Corey goes, "Well, wait a minute, this is nuts. I don't. I, I'm not even in the government. How can I fire somebody?" Well, so we- he called up somebody else. <laughs> Yeah, here, this is the, that particular accusation yeah. that I'm reading again from. Okay. Uh, in June 2017, uh, Mr. Trump twice asked his former campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, to convey a private order to Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who had recused himself from overseeing the Russian investigation. Mr. Sessions was to intervene and limit Mr. Mueller's jurisdiction to a look at preventing further election interference, ending scrutiny of Trump's campaign links to Russia in 2016, and whether Mr. Trump obstructed justice. But Mr. Lewandowski delivered neither message. So essentially, Trump asked Lewandowski to uh, force Sessions or to order Sessions to back off. Right. All right. So is it a legitimate... We have Ann Williams in the studio. I might ask her this question. She used to work for the Attorney General. Is it a legitimate uh, defense to say that Trump did not, in fact, obstruct justice uh, because Lewandowski did not convey his message to Sessions. Again, I say that Trump's problem is that Trump is Trump. And so he has no morals, no core, and he only thinks about himself. And so he repeats himself in his crooked endeavors. So he has a track record mm-hmm. that's very well. First of all, it's documented in the in the Mueller report with the ten, ten counts, yeah. ten, uh, obstructive acts, mm-hmm. acts. And so no, he can't. He he's not. I mean, he can make that argument. He could also make the. I mean, he makes all sorts of arguments that are not true. Yeah, you know, he was he, he's going to this um, opioid 
uh, meeting today, mm-hmm. and he stops to talk to the press, and he's talking about how great the economy. He barely mentions opo- opioids or the problems with it. Yeah. He starts bragging about all the great things he's done. All right, so now let's move from uh, the attack on Trump and uh, move toward what uh, message should the Democrats been articulating? We're heading now uh, into primary season. We're getting ready for Iowa. The, can- the candidates will be, there's like 17 of them. Uh, yeah, we so just far. had a new one. Yeah. To, uh, Seth, uh, uh, what is it? Seth Moulton of yeah. uh, Boston, just a congressman from Messages, just announced he was running. Um, should the Democrats, in your humble opinion, uh, follow the centrist lead uh, of, like, say, like a, of a Biden uh, or a Mayor Pete and head toward the middle right now already, just head toward the middle? Uh, or should they go with their more uh, radical Ben Jarofsky faction of the yeah. Democratic Party, uh, AOCs, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think is the best strategy for the Democrats to pursue as they head into uh, I think they should duke it out for right now. They, they should be walking and chewing gum at the same time. Explain Meaning that. That they should be talking about these um, kitchen table issues that the average American is interested in. Mm-hmm. You know, health care, um, education, um, that sort of thing. But they should also be on the impeachment track, exposing Trump every which way they can. Mm-hmm. And they can do both. You know, um, the, 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 the committees in the House can do the investigations. The candidates out in the field can talk about all the wonderful things they would do that Trump's not doing. And they'll get asked about the impeachment periodically. But once the hearings are start, once they start, they'll, have, they'll, they'll be able to put a spotlight on what McGahn said or what Mueller said about something. All right. So they can do it both. All right, very good. And speaking of kitchen table issues, State Representative Ann Williams has entered the building. We're going to bring her on. She's going to talk about a clean energy jobs bill, a clean energy jobs act right here in the state of Illinois. There, there's some kitchen table aspects to that legislation, which we'll be talking about when we return. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times Online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com. And wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for the Ben Jarofsky Show. J-O-R-A. V is in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by 4 at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends, 
and enjoy the rest of the show. like to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky show and who wouldn't contact Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago We have several advertising options for your business or organization. And quite frankly, we would love nothing more than to tell our listeners all about it. Once again, that's Tracy Bame at publisher at Chicago reader corp at C O R P as in Paul.com to advertise with the Ben Jarofsky Show, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Sun-Times. We look forward to plugging you. Okay, well, that came out kind of weird. More of the Ben Jarofsky Show live and downloaded in moments. everybody hour number two of your ben jarofsky show for wednesday april 24th is just moments away but before we get into hour number two we would like to thank the following unions for helping bring back the ben jarofsky show you guys are great the international association of machinists and aerospace workers not aerosmith local 126 and district 8 the international brotherhood of electrical workers local 9 and the international union of operating engineers local 150 thank you once again to those unions for jumping on board here and bringing back the ben jarofsky show and of course today's ben jarofsky show would not be possible without our friends at the chicago federation of labor hour number two let's go it is wednesday april 24th and live from the chicago sun Times chicago reader studio on racine avenue this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, we still got Monroe Anderson in studio. We welcome Illinois State Rep Ann Williams and Ben put on your big boy pants, President and CEO of Personal Pack, Terry Cosgrove. And now your host, President and CEO of Nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. Terry's guys girl will be in the studio in a little while. He's always bossing me around. I'm sure he'll be bossing me around again. Uh, I love it when he comes and he bosses you around. Yeah, and uh, Ann Williams in the studio. Monroe Anderson. Ann Williams, by the way, my state representative. Okay, my very own state representative. So uh, we're going to be have a lot. We have a lot of things to talk about with Ann, and uh, Monroe is sitting here as well. Uh, you have an update for me, young man? Absolutely. I do. Your state re- representative? Oh, yeah. my God, let me clean up around. Yeah, I know. Oh, clean so the place sorry. up. That's oh, our man. very own state. Clean office. Yeah, oh, clean so office. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we have a quick 2020 Democratic presidential candidate update here. Well, sort of. Oh, this crazy news cycle in 2019. This is more of a story about uh, another news organization uh, just looking to get the story first rather than get it right. Today, the Washington Examiner reported that family members of the late Senator John McCain will endorse the guy who hasn't even officially announced that he's running for president in 2020, former Vice President Joe Biden. Joe Biden is rumored to be making his presidential candidacy official tomorrow, Thursday, by the way. And according to this report, the McCain family is preparing to break with the Republican Party 
and endorsed Joe Biden. Well, McCain's uh, wife, Sidney McCain, saw these reports, and she's calling BS. Fake news, mm. says Sidney McCain. Sidney McCain has since issued a statement denying the news of her family endorsing Joe Biden. Mm, yeah, you gotta gotta get it right there, folks. Well, who Washington? Well, it wasn't the Washington Post. It was the Washington Examiner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which it's which, that right wing. Yeah, very yeah, right, right wing. Yeah, right. yeah, they're always trying to trash John McCain. Although I would I would have nothing but respect for the McCain family uh, if they uh, left Trump, and I don't blame them if they do. The so much. Uh, All the things that Donald Trump has said about John McCain down through the years. Yeah, Barbara Bush voted Democratic. Yeah, but I don't know if she went public with it. No, she did. Yeah. She said something about it. Did she? Barbara Bush say something about it? I remember saying or posting on Facebook, I'm with Barbara. Whatever yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, I. Oh, she um, was on choice, actually. It was on choice. Yeah, I listen. I would not uh, be surprised if McCain's privately voted for whoever the Democrats put up, particularly if it's Joe Biden, because Biden was friends with John McCain. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, you got to get it right. It looks like they're trying to uh, muddy her up, dirty her up. All right, Ann Williams, 11th Rep uh, District State Representative, my state representative. Welcome back to the new show. I love the new show. I am so excited to be here. Thank Thank you, Ann, and uh, yeah, nice little digs here. That's great. Um, all right, now we have be- a piano there if you want. Yeah, if you oh, want, to I want to break into song or yeah, something. Uh, all right, and before I start asking about the Clean Energy Jobs Act bill and some of the other issues in Springfield right now, just got to get your thoughts uh, as a Democrat, uh, as a person who's had to go door to door and try to talk voters into voting. And now you're in a very safe district for Democrats, I might add. Uh, but I'm just curious, do you think it's politically put aside the issue? Well, let's deal with morality and then we'll deal with politics. Do you think the evidence you've seen in the Mueller report, articles about the Mueller report, et cetera, et cetera, uh, would lead you to say that uh, Donald Trump um, should be impeached for uh, obstruction of justice? Well, I have to admit I haven't read the full report, but from what I've heard, where there's smoke, there's fire. I definitely feel that Trump, in addition to the abysmal uh, way he's run the country, in addition to his um, inappropriate rhetoric and and everything else, I don't have time to go into everything that he does daily um, to embarrass us as a nation. I I'm concerned, frankly, about his commitment to our country and that it's not just about him. Everything I've seen is about, it's about him, it's about his ego, it's about his, his uh, I don't know, it's all about him. And I think when you are that kind of person and you look at the presidency with a cavalier attitude, there's probably something a little bit more there we need to look into. Oh, you were in the, uh, were you, wait, I don't know if this is true. Were you in the state house when uh, uh, the legislators impeached Bogoyevich? I was not in, but I worked around the Capitol at that time. So I remember kind of the frenzy around it. All right. And so politically, uh, do you think it would be a de- uh, dangerous for Democrats uh, to go after Trump to force an impeachment? Do you think that they should be more cautious and stay away from that from political considerations, not a moral or ethical ones? You know, I'm concerned about moving forward for the next election. I I don't know how many candidates we have now, did you say? Or? I think there's 17. Don't quote me on okay. that. Well, I'd have to count lot. them up. Yeah, a lot. But, you know, I, my, I want to focus on the future. I'm not saying we shouldn't look at an impeachment, but how much time and energy are we going to put into that versus coming together as a party, choosing the right candidate that we think can beat this guy, and moving forward in that direction. So for me, I want to look toward the future and focus on that. It doesn't preclude the possibility that he's if he's done something impeachment worthy, he should 
should be impeached. Mm -hmm. um, do we have the time and resources and energy and ability to do that before the election? I'm not sure about that. All right. Well, let's talk about something that the Democrats might want to run on. You have your Clean Energy Jobs Act. We talked about this last week. Uh, I think Ed Maher was in the studio talking about this. Uh, give folks a little more information exactly what is the Clean Energy Jobs Act. Sure. This is a very comprehensive piece of legislation which would grow our green economy and provide for equity throughout these efforts. So basically there's four pillars to this bill. Mm -hmm. First of all, we're looking to create uh, jobs in the green economy, particularly focusing on communities of color, underserved communities, both in urban areas and downstate that have been negatively impacted by, um, you know, in industry and polluters. Um, secondly, our goal is to uh, get us on a path to carbon-free power sector by 2030, move forward for a renewables-only private uh, power sector by 2050, and finally really focus on the electrification of the transportation sector. So that breaks down to things like fleet vehicles for municipalities, um, buses, trains, not using fossil fuels, and significantly uh, improving um, emissions. All right, talk about, uh, let's start with the last one first, electrification of, uh, of what of cars that are used by uh, municipalities. Would this require that? Well, this doesn't require it, but it does provide incentives for communities that do that and kind of sets the stage and creates an infrastructure for more utilization of electric vehicles. So uh, I mentioned earlier the equity piece. That is a common theme. Let me take a step back and explain how this bill evolved. Um, as you might recall, a couple of years ago, Illinois passed the Future Energy Jobs Act, and the group I was involved with was the Clean Jobs Coalition. Um, basically did a lot of work to um, improve the ability of solar and wind companies to develop in Illinois, and it was wildly successful. Too successful because the demand is greater than what we can serve as a state. So this is kind of the follow-up to that piece. This is called the Clean Energy Jobs Act. And for the past year, members of the Clean Energy Coalition have gone around the state, downstate, urban areas, all through the state, meeting with community members, advocacy organizations, stakeholders, energy uh, contractors, uh, companies, to kind of get a sense of what we need to do in the renewable world, what we need to do to improve our ability to create jobs in the sector, and, and get just feedback. The result is this 300-some page bill, which is a very comprehensive approach to looking at growing the green economy. And I couldn't be more excited to be working on this bill. Of course, like everything in Springfield, it will require negotiations with some of the other stakeholders. Um, but this is a great starting point for discussion. And I think a lot of the provisions of this bill will um, bring great benefits to Illinois, not just for um, addressing climate change and environmental issues, but job creation, economic development, and public health benefits. All right, when you talk about negotiations with some of the other stakeholders, get a little more specific. Who are the stakeholders that you mean negotiating sure. with, and what are the issues that will be negotiated? Sure. Well, this bill is, like I said, a comprehensive approach, which includes a little something for everyone in it. Um, there's another initiative out there that deals with solar companies' investment, and it's a little bit different of approach, but it also it requires more investment in renewable energy credits to spur development of uh, solar um, 
you know, solar opportunities. So uh, some of the solar companies are involved with the coalition. Others are working on this kind of different approach. Of course, there's always Exelon, who um, owns the nuclear plants, and uh, the distributor, which is ComEd, of course. They're all the players. Ameren is our downstate version of ComEd. Um, so those are just some of the parties that are relevant in Springfield, have asks of Springfield. And when one person has an ask and uh, another person has an ask, often you have to come together and figure out how much of each, each ask will end up being in the final product. Um, and so renewable energy credits, you uh, trotted that out. What exactly is a renewable energy credit? That's, a, that's an opportunity to ensure that solar companies have a chance to participate in the um, provision of power in Illinois. So by uh, investing in these credits, you give companies the ability to participate in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Our bill focuses on several areas which will um, improve our ability to create uh, increased renewable energy development in Illinois. One of those areas is um, in something called the capacity market. Not sure um, how to quickly explain it, but basically, right now we provide or we procure power from uh, the PGM uh, market, and we have to follow the rules that are established by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission and how we procure that power. And there's all kinds of rules that we have to abide by to ensure that we are able to get enough power to keep the lights on at peak times. So the coldest day in winter, the warmest day in summer, we have to have enough capacity to reach that. Right now, we utilize this broader market. I don't remember what it stands for, PGM. It goes all the way across the country. Mm -hmm. But we have to follow the rules established at the federal level. Well, you and I both know that at the federal level, they're not too concerned about carbon emissions. And yeah. In fact, are going in the wrong direction when <laughs> right. it comes to climate change. So what we would like to do on the state level is modify the way we handle the capacity market by ensuring that Illinois can set its own standards for procuring that energy. So we can require a mix of clean energy that can be renewables, solar, wind, and nuclear does fall into a non-carbon emitting uh, source of power. So if we're able to move forward, we'll not only save money because these are uh, more cost efficient measures mm -hmm. and eventually will be much cheaper than providing traditional powers, but we will we will procure power in Illinois using the values that are important to Illinois, and that is you know, preserving our environment, reducing carbon emissions. All right. I could see objections on two fronts based on what you just said. Number one, as you said, in the federal level, uh, where they, for his own reasons, uh, Donald Trump remains just completely opposed to anything that vaguely resembles uh, s s like uh, solar energy, for instance. Uh, he mocks it and makes fun of it all the time, right, Monroe? Yeah, yeah, Obama was yeah. for it. That's his problem. Uh, and uh, so, and then the second one is that uh, any uh, bill or law or provision that the state passes that encourages more people to, let's say, do use solar may cut into some other company's profits. And so they would have an incentive to be uh, against your bill. So, how do you deal with those two fronts? Well, um, I'll start with the, the second piece that you mentioned, which mm -hmm. is uh, you're probably referring to coal. Well, it's interesting. There's a, a company called Vistra that is used to be Dynagy, I believe, uh, that is the coal big coal plant owner in Illinois. And I don't remember the guy's name, but the head of Vistra, I think, has used the term inevitable in terms of the phasing out of uh, carbon-emitting coal plants. Mm -hmm. Everyone who has studied or worked in the sector understands that coal is going away. Um, it's just a matter of time. It's not uh, efficient. We can't sustain um, the production of coal in a cost-effective manner. 
manner. Um, it's just it's just a matter of fact. And whether the president chooses to acknowledge this is, is a whole different story. It doesn't seem to base much of anything on facts. <laughs> but um, but I, I'll say that you know yeah. one of the things that this bill does is so that's so exciting is instead of just leaving this to the market to its own devices and a coal plant plant closing downstate in some town which relies on that coal plant, leaving them quite literally in the dust with piles of coal ash everywhere, and those people with no jobs, no recourse, this bill deliberately phases out the carbon-emitting coal plants, and it provides for clean energy empowerment zones that ensure that where there's clean energy development, it happens in places where we have the workforce and in communities that have been negatively impacted by uh, these changes, whether it's an, an you know environmental impacts or the closure of these coal plants, which can happen abruptly. It can be open one day, close the next. This bill plans and provides for the futures of those towns. That's something we did very deliberately. Yeah. Okay, a question for me. You have somebody who's Wait. Coal. There we go. Okay. You have somebody who's a coal miner. Who's, that's all, all he's done. His father did that before him. His grandfather before him. How do you teach them or, or educate them to do something in the clean energy sec sector? It's like you, we planted that question. Because we have... <laughs> they didn't even know each other know. before they... He's not reading my notes. But yeah, that's a great question, Monroe. And that's one of the four pillars of the bill is job creation. Mm -hmm. And it provides for a focus on training, whether it's a coal miner in southern Illinois or someone that maybe was a foster care alumni or someone that um, didn't have the opportunities in a community in an urban area that's been disproportionately impacted by pollution. There our workforce job hubs that are created. There are training programs going now as we speak from the first bill that we'd like to really ramp up and amplify. I just uh, left an editorial board meeting with uh, a pastor who is working on some of these cohorts for training in, um, in, in the Chicagoland area. And there is a specific training. We're not just training you and then putting you out in the street. These are trainings that are developed for the specific job. So that coal miner that you referenced would be getting specific training about the installation and monitoring and facilitating the solar farms, for example, or something like that. So it's very specific yeah. training. Okay. And, yeah. and these, these folks are able to and excited about opportunities. And we just need to present it to them and put the infrastructure in place to make it happen. So when, you, when you say solar farm, explain to people what a solar farm is. Well, interestingly, solar farm is just like a wind farm. It's a series of, in this case, solar panels versus wind turbines that are placed um, whatever size, you know, uh, land you want to put it on, which provide for the generation of power, mm -hmm. which is then connected to the grid and distributed to use in our homes and businesses. So what's interesting about solar farms is they go very well on former polluted sites, yeah. sites that may never be suitable for a school or a home, but might work very well for a solar farm. You but, don't need to clean it up to that level. But didn't the president say that they give you cancer? Oh, that's true. Was it yeah. the windmills? Or yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, no, I think it's windmills wind, that give you... Uh, the windmills. Wait, hold on. Here we go. If you if you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. Uh-oh. Oh, load, loading up. Hang yeah, tight. Okay. Give me a second. Yeah. 
right? That, the greatest of quotes. That was the infamous quote uh, from Donald Trump. And but <laughs> here we go. Oh, here if we you, go. If you have a windmill anywhere near your house, congratulations. Your house just went down 75 percent in value. And they say the noise causes cancer. You tell me that one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's our president, ladies and gentlemen. This guy is unbelievable. Yeah, he's I unbelievable. Uh, I think we should impeach him tomorrow. Anyway, um, uh, just for that alone, uh, because, I mean, the obstruction of justice uh, in the Mueller report, I can go on and on about, but I think the far greater consequence, Ann Williams and Monroe, is that um, he is just blindly uh, battling any attempt uh, by our country to deal with the environmental fallout of years and years of dependence on fossil fuel. And we're like, I'm watching, you know, there's this talk about like the floodwaters coming up of, over uh, Miami, and he's just continues yeah. to mock and malign and trivialize all these important issues. And here you are, you have these detailed plans. You're very rationally expl- explaining them. You're answering Monroe's questions. You're answering my questions. You're, you're being very diplomatic about all the people, stakeholders are on the other side. And then Donald Trump just steps up and just. <clears throat> throws it all out the window, uh, mocking and maligning. How do you deal with that? Well, you know, his the the stuff that comes out of his mouth is, is shocking, and I never cease to be amazed by it. I guess I have a little bit of, this is term that I feel like I've coined, maybe you've heard it elsewhere, but I'm taking credit for outrage fatigue. So I've felt, you, you know, you feel outraged how many times a day about the latest thing that Trump does or says or some policy, but at some point you're like exhausted by all the outrage. You can't be outraged about everything all the time. So this is a good way to put your energy to good use and to put some of that outrage into good use. And whether it's, you know, Ben, I've talked to you before about many issues, but whether it's this, whether it's an environmental issue, whether it's reproductive health care, whether it's immigrant and refugee rights, whether it's data security, the Trump administration has been abysmal in every one of these areas. So one of our jobs on the state level is now to figure out where we can make a difference on the state level Mm -hmm. to fight back. And so that's where I've spent a lot of my energy and time since 2016. And uh, so, all right, when you when Donald Trump used that kind of rhetoric, what kind of impact does it have in the General Assembly of Illinois? Do you, do you hear uh, some of your colleagues of the Republican persuasion echoing back what Donald Trump has said, mocking uh, the whole notion that we need clean energy? You know, we are a bit behind in terms of being educated on the issues surrounding clean energy as a General Assembly. Um, of course, we have our environmental champions, and the, the numbers of those are growing every year. We have others that are starting to come around to value clean energy and renewables because they understand they're a very robust uh, you know, business investments for our state. They bring great returns to Illinois. But we have we have some people that just, they don't listen to reason. They're not looking at the numbers and the economic benefits. Clean job, Clean energy jobs are growing at a rate I learned today five times greater than other jobs. So this is the future. This is not just good for the economy and health and the environment. It's it's good for the finances. But you know, they don't want to see it. We have a few colleagues. Have you heard the reference to the Eastern Bloc? Yeah. Yeah. That's there's about five or six um, people that are uh, that seem to pride themselves on being uh not not uh 
Let's see. I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this. Well, they seem nice. to, I don't think they're listening, Ben. Yeah. I think uh, they try, they almost pride themselves on being ignorant of these issues. Yeah. It's almost like a, a source of pride. And I, that was not like that before Trump. This is a new breed of conservative yeah. that um, I, I can't really put my finger on it, but it feels different. Uh, Eastern Bloc, actually, I was thinking of something else. What exactly is the Eastern Bloc that you're alluding to? It's about, there's a group of, I don't know if I want to let them be known by their name because they're taking a little bit of, uh, they're running with it and I don't think it's very productive. But it's a group of about five or six of my colleagues on the Republican Mm -hmm. side who are from the eastern part of the state and do pride themselves on being as conservative as possible, even when it's maybe not in the best interest of uh, the state as a whole. I see. When you you point out that China is now producing 40% of the the screens. The solar. The solar panels. Mm -hmm. What's their response or they don't care? You know, I think they are so on, and I'm not just talking about these specific individuals. I think the people that aren't wanting to hear this message just don't want to hear it. No matter how much sense we make, how many statistics we have, we have, you know, even companies like Walmart who are not exactly companies that I'm traditionally aligned with and, you know, with right. for other issues, they even utilize solar panels on their roof because it's more uh, cost efficient and it's better for business. So uh, there is a bit of a disconnect, if I'm explaining that right, between the realities of renewables and the benefits of, of renewables beyond the obvious environmental issues. There's just uh, unwillingness to see what an important part of the world. Well, we've seen this. We were talking about this earlier, Monroe. Uh, Some of the um, uh, Republicans who are rising up to run against uh, Lauren Underwood in the 14th Congressional District and uh, Sean Kasten in the 6th Congressional District are sort of uh, trying to make radicalize the Democratic Party, make it seem like it's an extremist party uh, that's that's in the hands of socialists. That's their their new way. Socialists yeah. who want to destroy free yeah. enterprise. And um, I have the sense that any kind of legislation like the one you're proposing will immediately uh, be distorted by that lens. Um, and that's what you're going to have to fight when you're in Springfield right now. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that's a comparison that's made. Oh, this is just like the Green New Deal in D.C., and it's actually quite of a different approach. It's um, not weighing in on that. I haven't closely examined it, but this is a very pragmatic approach. It's a natural next step to the work we've already done in conjunction with all the stakeholders to improve the clean energy economy and and development of renewables in Illinois. It's, it's just a practical solution. All right, that's State Representative Ann Williams. Monroe Anderson is here. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hey there, producer Dennis here. Thanks for finding and listening to the brand new Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, so here's how this works. The Ben Jarofsky Show live streams on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m. Once the show is over, you can listen to the replay on our YouTube channel, or we throw it online for you to download by 4 p.m. Where can you download the Ben Jarofsky Show, you may be asking yourself? Well, you may be asking yourself a fantastic question. You can find previous Ben Jarofsky shows and guest interviews through several outlets. The Chicago Sun-Times online, chicago.suntimes.com. The Chicago Reader Online, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pick one. Just search for The Ben Jarovsky Show. J-O-R-A. V as in victory, S-K-Y. So, let's recap. Tuesday through Friday, 1 until 3 p.m., 
live streamed on the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel and downloadable by four at chicago.suntimes.com, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. Yes, the Ben Jarofsky Show is back. We're live and downloaded. Tell your friends and enjoy the rest of the show. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. everybody welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times yes indeed we are live monroe anderson has left the building or is leaving the building the great monroe anderson is leaving the building he uh, managed to get through his entire hour segment here in the show without swearing once all right (laughs) wait is that a thing we're not supposed to okay oh yeah well no you you can't i mean we are podcasting so right that's oh yeah unleashed yeah you're a boy i think i'm gonna uh, take off too but uh we uh we, part of the show is uh, put on uh, radio, so we have to worry about it. But then, you know what? Don't worry about it, TC. If you want to drop the F-bomb no, I'm not to your little heart's that. desire. I, I, have, uh, I have to maintain some decorum. All right, very good. Terry Cosgrove, when I had my old show, was on all the time, at least once a month, maybe once every six weeks. Uh, and uh, he, of course, is the executive director of Personal PAC. Uh, the leading reproductive rights group, or one of the leading reproductive rights groups in the state of Illinois. The man knows more about reproductive rights and the politics of reproductive rights than anyone in the universe. And uh, he's on the show right now. So welcome to well, our new show. Thank you. I, it looks great. Yeah, it does, this is it? amazing. And Dennis is right here. I mean, Hey, buddy. Yeah, he's right there. And uh, Ann Williams is sitting hey, right Ann next Williams to me. We'll our, let her one of our role. leaders in the house. And I'm so glad to sit next to her. I'm honored. I yes. too, Terry. I'm All right. Always. 
Um, so we're going to uh, switch topics from... Um, wait, before I do, though, uh, Ann Williams, before we uh, leave completely uh, the all-important uh, topic of, uh, of your legislation, if people want to get more information about the Clean Energy Jobs Act or if they want to participate in lobbying for it to overcome the Eastern Bloc's opposition <laughs> and uh, President Trump's opposition to anything that's sane uh, in regards to the environment, is there any... Uh, where can they go to get involved? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. We have a great website that provides opportunities to get involved. It's ilcleanjobs.org, and that will give you links to more information, how to take action, et cetera. So, again, that's ilcleanjobs.org. All right, very good. Thank you much about you got that. It. All right, let's switch gears to reproductive rights. Oh, my goodness. Illinois women can't wait another day for the Reproductive Health Act uh, to become law. This is from Personal Pact. I'm reading that, Terry, you brought in. Um, all right. We're, uh, let's start with this. The Reproductive uh, Health Act, although there's so many um, other matters uh, on this issue, uh, Terry, across the country, reproductive rights I mean, are under siege. So before we get into Illinois, let's just run down what's going on. It's been a while since you and I have had a conversation on the air. We've had a few conversations off the air. Usually, right. But I'll tell you what, Terry Cosgrove can be a little critical of a reporter every now and then, but we'll leave that alone. I'm just honest. Okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> and I do apologize when I'm wrong, though. Yes, you right. do apologize. Don't I? Didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave Upon all that review. off the record. Upon <laughs> review. Yes, no, yeah, you are. Inside Ben yeah, and Terry talk. Yeah. Um, but all right, let's talk about some uh, what's going on around the country so folks... Uh, well, keep... I'm going to need Ann's help on this because, to be honest, it's hard to keep up on a daily basis what, uh, what's going on. Um, I know that um, Georgia has passed a bill that would basically outlaw all abortions. And the, the really good thing about that is that, um, and I was waiting for this to happen, is there's now a boycott going on by major corporations of Georgia because this bill is so right-wing. And uh, Governor Pritzker uh, did, I saw an article in Cranes last week or the week before saying, come to Illinois, we're a much more tolerant state. And I, and actually, on the way over here in the cab, I was thinking about it, thinking maybe that's a Illinois uh uh, tourism or come to Illinois and work and live because we are a state that has marriage equality. We have access to a full range of reproductive health care, um, at least for now we do, and uh, so people to come here. So the, a week ago, um, the Texas legislature actually debated a bill that would give women the death penalty, mm. put to death for having an abortion. Um, I know that Ohio has passed. Wait, hold on. Before let's, we can't let that yeah, one just I know, escape. I, know. I mean, it's hard to believe. It's it hard to believe. Dystopian. It's dystopian uh, stuff. Yeah, you're right. absolutely correct. So, you're the telling handmaids me, on steroids. Yeah. You're telling me there's language in the bill. I've not heard about this mm -hmm. or not read about it. Actually, I should say, yeah. uh, there's language in a bill that would require the death penalty for a woman who uh, has an abortion. Yeah, Is that what and you're telling? a doctor. Yeah. Yeah, and anyone that would assist with it. So in other words, you would be a uh, an accomplice to a murder um, if you help someone get to a doctor's office or whatever, yeah. And what happened with this bill? Um, and do you have an update? I don't remember what happened. I don't, it was introduced, it was being debated, and that's the last um, I lost I of it. See. Now, and part of the problem, Ben, when you bring this up is, mm -hmm. I. Bear, and I don't, you know, I can uh, be accused of exaggeration, but on this, I'm not. Oh. Uh, it, Barely a day goes by where I don't see something on some social media feed or a news feed about another law that's 
that's being enacted that is stripping women of their reproductive health care, assaults on birth control. It's not even just abortion, not just, I don't mean it that way, but um, it's on birth control, it's on IVF, it's on a whole range of activities, not to mention the whole issue of um, the Catholic Church continuing to clamp down on, I was just reading an article this morning that um, that there was a hospital in uh, somewhere where the the hospital was ignoring the Catholic Church's ethos on birth control. They found out about it and they stopped the hospital from giving. I just read it a few hours ago. Mm-hmm. So it, it is an it is a ongoing assault that's going on. And um, and do you know of any other states? And I know Iowa, Ohio. Did you yeah, say Ohio? Ohio did um, a heartbeat bill, which means what's that, a heartbeat bill? Well, a heartbeat. The you know the anti-choicers claim that. Um, that there's a heartbeat in a fetus at uh, six weeks or two weeks even now they're claiming and uh, when that can be determined that there is a heartbeat um, that um, that abortion would be illegal. Now the problem with that is most women don't even realize they're pregnant at two weeks or six weeks. So it, it's basically a ban on abortion mm-hmm. and very few procedures take place that soon in a pregnancy for medical reasons anyways that don't accept the the morning after pill, and which is not an abortion, it's a prevention, and then the abortion pill is taken in uh, earlier in pregnancy. So it's going on all over the country. People have to be um, very afraid about what's going on. Well, there's at least two other states that have done the yeah. okay, uh, so-called ahead, heartbeat yeah. bill, and that's Mississippi and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And as far as the fate of the um, bill in Texas on the death penalty, that did fail or didn't progress. But there's other bills just as onerous, and one wonders if they didn't put that out there to get the outrage focused on that so they could go ahead and pass bills that would basically ban abortion. Is that basic? Is that a tactic that uh, the anti-abortion forces use? Put something completely and totally outrageous out there and so as a compromise, uh, Democrats or people who are pro-choice uh, move more to the right? Um, yes, I certainly think in some states that would be, um, that would definitely be a tactic. Um, and I think the larger issue here is all these bills are being introduced in the states like uh, a month ago, there were 12 bills that were in the federal pipeline that would challenge Roe. Now it's over 20. So as these, uh, and they're increasing literally by the week, there'll be more. I wouldn't be surprised by the time the, you know, the term starts with the Supreme Court, it's 30 or 40 bills that will be in in the pipeline for the court to consider to overturn Roe. So in other words, explain to people how this works, a federal bill that leads to the overturning of Roe. Explain that to people how one leads to the other. These these various bills that are passing in the states, um, a lawsuit is filed against them, usually by the ACLU. And if there is disagreement, and Anne's the attorney here, so I feel like I'm stepping out of my league here. (laughs) But but the the rule is if, if, if a if two federal courts agree, then the Supreme Court is unlikely to take the case. So if two federal courts disagree, then that means the court almost has to take the case. So if like the Seventh Circuit upholds the um, the law and the Ninth Circuit would strike it down, then that's almost assured that it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Am I correct on that? That Anne? sounds right. Yeah. And okay. you know, one other thing about back to the Texas death penalty and all these others that really criminalize, maintain criminalize criminalized abortions or assistance is the rhetoric that surrounds this. So part of it, I think, is a deliberate attempt by the anti-choice faction to um, build up the negativity around it, build up the extreme rhetoric, get public opinion to get ginned up on these issues. And 
create fear in in the hearts of women that are seeking abortions, in young women, women that don't have access to resources, to have health care providers think twice about whether they want to go down this road. The ones, the few that remain to provide abortions are subject to even more scrutiny by friends, neighbors, church members, etc. So I think it's part of a deliberate attempt to uh, talk about abortion in a way that's just not reality. The reality is abortion is about health care. It's a woman's choice on how to move forward with her body and um, how to move forward with her reproductive future. And it's being um, talked about as something much different. Yeah, and it's, I see what you're saying. It's a way of intimidating people. Now, Terry, if Roe v. Wade uh, is overturned, so in other words, one of these... So here's the tactic, as I understand you're laying it out. Uh, those uh, folks, uh, those legislators who are vehemently opposed to a woman's right to choose, reproductive rights, uh, introduce a bill that's outrageous. Uh, it's challenged by the ACLU or Planned Parenthood or whoever. Uh, and one court uh, overturns it. Another court uh, upholds it. It goes to the Supremes. And the issue is Roe v. Wade. Uh, and they say, and they overturn Roe v. Wade. What are the consequences at that point? Well, the consequences are that it will, prior to Roe v. Wade, it was up to each individual state to set their own abortion laws. Mm -hmm. And um, so New York legalized, I think, in 69 or 70. Roe v. Wade was 1973. Wisconsin and, um, and Hawaii came in shortly thereafter. So those were the three states that where abortion was legal prior to Roe. I, I might not be exactly correct on that. Again, I'm not a lawyer, and that was 46 years ago. When, when, when I was a little younger oh, than I, I am. Terry, 46, so in the rocks. Yeah, yeah, you were hanging out by the beach. Yeah, okay. <laughs> not quite. Not quite. I didn't even yeah. live here. No. Okay. So, so at any rate, very funny, Ben. Yeah. So, um, so, uh, now, now I got out. So, so back to being serious for <laughs> yes. a minute, Mr. Jarofsky. Yes, um, so, um, so what that would mean is that they, by getting, by overturning Roe v. Wade, that means that it would then be likely, this is a likely scenario that I think most people, most legal scholars agree with, mm -hmm. is that then it would then, then be up to each individual state to set their, the, the parameters of legal abortion. So you would have states, the, you know, the three states on the West Coast would very likely keep it legal, and there's probably half a dozen states on the East Coast that would. And then you have the middle of the country, and basically Illinois is the only place where that would be the case. However, because... Where, where it would be legal. Where it would be legal. Mm -hmm. However, we have all of these onerous restrictions from the 1970s that were enacted when Illinois was one of the most anti-choice states in the country. Um, Isn't that hard to believe? Yeah. That well, the, the development of Illinois in that regard. Right, right, right. It is, but um, it in like in 1975 we and this is why people need to listen very closely because this is getting down to the nuts and bolts of this. We have things like spousal consent, which means a married woman um, would have to get her husband's written permission to get an abortion. That law was enjoined, means stopped from being enforced. So in other words, a married woman doesn't have to get her husband's permission today to have an abortion. But if Roe is overturned, I can guarantee you within 35 seconds, Peter Breen will be in federal court asking that injunction to be removed that was based on Roe to have that injunctions lifted so then a married woman in Illinois would need her husband. Peter permission. Breen is a former state representative yes. uh, who is vehemently opposed yes. to abortion rights. Yes, yeah, he heads up uh, uh, the uh, legal, uh, Thomas, Thomas Moore, Moore. Mm -hmm. legal, and they, they 
do basically all the uh, the legal uh, the opposition to reproductive rights. We also have uh, 24-hour waiting periods, misinformed consent, which means that doctors are required to read anti-choice propaganda, um, lying to women about abortion, and you know saying that if you have an abortion, you'll get breast cancer, and which is very insulting, and it's not founded anywhere in science or or medicine they will be required yeah yeah there is a if the the laws that have passed in other states like pennsylvania and tons of other states and we call it misinformed consent a doctor is told it is part of the whole uh consent for you know the consent that you sign if they mm-hmm. sit you down and they tell you you know what's and the doctor has to read the state mandated information that has no basis in science um, has no basis in reality, and they read you a litany of things that all of it is done to dissuade a woman from having the abortion. Mm. So they tell her all these lies: you're uh, you're you're likely you're unlikely to ever get pregnant again. You'll get breast cancer. You'll you know you'll um, you'll be depressed and all this other stuff. Even though most like ninety five percent of women report how relieved they feel when it's over and the, they're able to go on in time, space, and plan their pregnancies from there. Um, what about the First Amendment rights of doctors? Good God. It, talk about intrusive government. I know. It doesn't <laughs> exist. I know. I know. always yapping about First Amendment rights. I know. Where's my yeah. libertarian friends? Oh, hiding under right. the table, as always. Uh, yeah. So that's... One, one way to think about it, and Terry has explained this to me many times, is that if Roe versus Wade were to fall, and I hate saying if, it almost yeah. it feels like when now. Yeah. It is but when. when that happens, um, Illinois and all other states would immediately go back to where we were pre Roe versus Wade. So that means all this stuff that was on the books in the 70s when abortion was illegal would be revived. And that's what we'd have to methodically, one by one, try and, um, you know, work to to um, change the laws to bring them up to modern medicine and, you know, modern uh, psychology and understanding of, of life now. And, and that's that. Why can't we do that now? And that's what we're trying to do in Illinois right now. We're trying to ensure that when that happens, we'll be prepared and Illinois women will be able to proceed with their health care needs uninterrupted. And uh, 24 hour waiting periods, that's mandatory. Yes. So, yeah. so if a woman comes to a clinic to get an abortion, they have to immediately say, well, all right, you got to wait 24 hours right. from this point on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And by law. Yes, by law. From and, and for those of us that live in the Chicago area, it's like pharmacist refusal, or pharmacist refusing to fill a prescription for birth control or the morning after pill. Well, there's, a, there's probably five Walgreens and CVSs within two blocks mm-hmm. of where we are right now. When you're in downstate Illinois, there are women that have to travel over 200 miles in downstate Illinois to get an abortion. Um, if you're punching a time clock at, at a factory, you have two kids at home, you have ch- childcare to be concerned about, not to mention if you're a young woman, a high school student or something, and you have to travel 200 miles to, to not be able to turn around and go home after the procedure, but you have to sit in a hotel overnight yeah. until but the next day. you can't afford. Right. That you can't afford. First of all, you can't afford the transportation. You're scraping together the money for the procedure. And now you have to sit in a hotel for 24 hours. And a lot of states have 48 and 72 hour waiting periods. I mean, we have 24 here. So it, like all of these restrictions, uh, rural women, low income women, and young women are the most impacted uh, by uh, by this by all of these restrictions. All right, so Terry, there's something called the Reproductive Health Act. 
uh, Illinois women can't wait another day for the Reproductive Health Act to become law. What would the Reproductive Health Act do? Well, it would repeal all of these things that we've discussed that's on the piece of paper in front of you. And, you know, there was confusion about HB 40. I was just going to ask you that and, question. And yeah. I have like a standard email now that I'm sending to people who email me. I just had lunch with someone who asked me, I thought HB 40. Yeah, I thought it. I was just going to ask yeah. you that No, question. no, what no. Happened? It's a very good question. Yeah. I had a woman. Wait, time out. Just so everybody remembers yeah. HB 40. We talked about it many, many times. Uh, Terry Cotton. Grover and myself, HB 40 was a bill that your good friend, uh, Governor Bruce Rauner, signed. Did he Who's, not, Terry? Bruce Rauner? I don't remember. <laughs> your old Bruce good Hill? friend. Yeah. I, uh, Rauner. No. Rauner, Rauner. No, no, he did do the right yeah. thing on that. I have to The problem is he lied about it for a year and told everyone, yeah. you know, lied to everyone about it and caused him trouble. And, you know, well, Terry, and you and I go around around. Had he just done it? Um, at the beginning and did what he said he would do, he probably wouldn't. All right, so what did HB 40? So HB 40, I mean, related to this, it it got rid of the restriction on Medicaid funding for abortion and Mm -hmm. state employees' health insurance. So putting that aside, the third thing it did is got rid of the trigger law, and all it did is remove one sentence that was in the statute that said that the day Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion becomes illegal in Illinois. And it all it did was brought us to a neutral point. So now we don't have a a explicit prohibition on abortion, but we don't have anything that says it's the policy of the state of Illinois that abortion will be a um, would be a legal medical procedure. What this bill does, in addition to repealing all this stuff, it has language in it that says it's the policy of the state of Illinois that abortion is a legal medical procedure. So we need that because when Roe is overturned, there can be no ambiguity. Right now, because we don't have any affirmative language, it's very likely that Peter Breen could go into court and argue that uh, that since there's no explicit language, um, we should uh, we should outlaw abortion. Now, would he get away with that? I don't know, but would there had there been, or if there is, affirmative language, there's not a prayer in the world that women will be protected in Illinois if that affirmative language exists, which is in this bill. And then by repealing all of this bad stuff, we're then basically on this neutral ground that just affirms abortion as a private medical decision between a woman or a doctor. And has this bill, uh, the Reproductive Health Act, been actually introduced already? Yes, it has been introduced, and we have, uh, when the General Assembly goes back next Tuesday, we have exactly five weeks to uh, pass it in the House and get it over the Senate. Simple majority. In both houses, because I presume Governor Pritzker, this governor, would sign this bill, correct? Yes, I think that assumption is about as correct as you can get. (laughs) But but I I mean, as a matter of protocol, I am not in a position to to say with a thousand percent certainty. I, I mean, it's just, you just don't do that. I mean, but you I don't assume confident. until you, you have, don't. Yes. Right. And I am confident that Governor Pritzker. All right. Um, so who has introduced this bill? Uh, Kelly Cassidy, one of your oh, favorites. My, yeah. my state representative. <laughs> my girl, Anne Kelly is a co-sponsor. Oh. So yeah, we have to give a shout out to Anne mm-hmm. here. And it has uh, close to 40 uh, co-sponsors. And in the Senate? And uh, well, the, that we have it, this House bill will go over to the Senate once I it see. passes the House. So I we're, we're, I mean, there's a bill, there's a version of it there, but we're not using that vehicle. We're using the House vehicle. And then there's, uh, yeah. And are you confident? Uh, are you nervous? Uh, as you approach this bill, uh, do you feel that you should rally people? Yes, I am very nervous because mm-hmm. I have to tell you the anti-choicers, I mean, there's been this odd, um, kind of reverse effect after the 2016 elections um the pro-choice side our side the progressive side 
was all riled up and came out in 2018 and, and did some amazing things. Elected 68 pro-choice state representatives in the mm-hmm. House, elected Sean Kasten, Lauren Underwood, uh, and you know Nancy Pelosi is now Speaker of the House. The result of that election means that what happens on our side all the time, people have gone to sleep and the right wing is really riled up. So my the reason I'm here, Ben, not just because I think you're a wonderful <laughs> radio interview and I adore you and Dennis and Anne is to really get across to the, everyone listening, you need to pick up the phone yeah, and call your state representative and say, you have to vote for the Reproductive Health Act. I mean, we need an outcry from every single pro-choice person in the state. It doesn't matter if Ann Williams is your state rep, call her anyways. Because, Go ahead and call me anytime. Yeah, or <laughs> Kelly Cassidy, or but especially um, there's a whole bunch of legislators in Springfield that you know are really getting beat up by the other side, and uh, and we need we need to reinforce their position that they support this. So, All right, that's Terry Cosgrove uh, saying why this is so important. We'll take a little break, we come back, I'm gonna ask him the R question, Republican question. Are there any Republicans anywhere, anywhere near the state of Illinois that support Reproductive Health Act, the Reproductive Health Act? We'll be right back with Terry Cosgrove and Ann Williams after this. Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by the Chicago Sun-Times. For the latest in Chicago and Illinois news, sports, weather, and the latest in national news from a real Chicago frame of mind and real Chicago writers, check out the Chicago Sun-Times. Read the daily paper or online at chicago.suntimes.com. And hey, if you have a little extra cash, subscribe. And by the Chicago Reader. For a deeper dive in the daily Chicago news and for all of what's going on in this city, you gotta read the reader. Music, arts and culture, film, extensive event calendars, concert listings, and more, including weekly political columns from writers like Maya Dukmasova and, yes, our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader is free in newsstands and at chicagoreader.com. That's chicagoreader.com. Back to the Ben Jarofsky uh, show. <laughs> Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. Uh, all right, that super cool music means we're almost done, but you know, it's a podcast. We go overboard all the time with the Ben Jarofsky show. There's overtime. No, overtime, yeah, overtime, not overboard. Overtime, and of course, yeah, that's super overboard. cool. And overboard, that super yeah. cool music is being provided by Terry Cosgrove. He's playing the keyboard over there in the corner. <laughs> uh, okay, that Cosgrove. would be a sad moment if you had me on a keyboard. Uh, and Williams okay. is playing the organ. <laughs> and they're really making some sweet music there. Uh, before we come back for discussions about whether Republicans, is there anything resembling a uh, pro-choice Republican anywhere in the state of Illinois? Uh, what you got for me, D? Terry, off the keyboard. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you keyboard, very much, Terry. <laughs> okay, okay. He'll be playing chopsticks after the show. All right, three updates here. Two national, the other local. We'll do the national ones first here. New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, or as he's been referred to in the presidential race thus far, who? <laughs> Really hasn't been doing much thus yeah. far. Cory Booker was the first Democrat seeking the presidential nomination to speak at the She the People Forum in Houston today. Booker made a big announcement, kind of putting the cart before the horse here, but Cory Booker announced that he will have a woman running mate. 
Okay. The first he, you're right. First he has to get elected. All right. Well, you know, but I mean, when, get the nomination. When but, you're at the she the people for him, you gotta you know You know there are the audience. There are many out there of the cynical persuasion who believe Cory Booker is running mainly to advance his candidacy as vice president. So I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, you know, okay. That's many cool. of the cynical persuasion. I'm not saying I believe that, just saying there are those who do. Our president is in Atlanta, Georgia today. He and his wife spoke at a drug abuse forum. We have a few quotes from his speech to read from the president here in Atlanta today. Uh, cue the ukulele. All right, so here we go. Donald Trump, uh, you know, he had to talk about the Mueller report here when speaking about the pharmaceutical companies rigging the system around the pricing of drugs. He added, I know all about <laughs> rigging the system because I had the system rigged on me. I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, he knows about rigging the system, all right. That's how he's the president of the United States. Much of the speech revolved around praising law enforcement, the DEA, and Customs and Border Protection. Oh, and dogs. Yeah, here's the quote from Trump on dogs. Quote, the greatest equipment in the world is a dog. Dogs do a better job than $400 million worth of equipment. Can you believe that? Only the dog lovers would understand that. I said to the Border Patrol the other day, they were giving me a little bit of a rundown the other day. I said, how does this compare to those great dogs? They say, sir, honestly, the dogs are better. I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, oh, man. God. That's funny. Trump in the studio, ladies and I know. Dennis. Like, yeah. oh, you know, I do what I can. All right. And our local update, Cosgrove, get ready, buddy. You're about to be in the hot seat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-oh. We have an update here on our uh, story. Looks like, uh, yeah, toilet gates coming back to bite old J.B. Pritzker here. Uh, J.B. Pritzker was at a, uh, gave a uh, press conference today, mm-hmm. and uh, he spoke about this. Uh, let's see here. Pritzker said, quote, what I know is what you all know from the reporting that was done this week. The governor reiterated that any review will show the rules were followed. Asked if the probe will affect his push for a graduated income tax. Pritzker replied, all of these things will pass. Pritzker says he has no concerns at all about criminal charges. Pritzker attorney Mark Elias, a partner with the Perkins Coey law firm in a statement issued earlier Wednesday, had said, quote, neither the governor nor the first lady have been contacted by law enforcement regarding the property tax appeal. By the way, that comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Juantinas Fondelas. All right. We talked about this earlier today. Dave McKinney, a Bulldog investigative reporter for WBZ, is uh, reported earlier today uh, that this story, uh, I, of course, lost my mind again, Terry Cosgrove and Ann Williams, because, oh, my God, this is bringing back flashbacks of arguments that Terry, Co- not arguments, political discussions between uh, Terry Cosgrove and myself throughout the 2018 uh, season. I, of course, ended up voting for Dan Biz. Terry has not stopped making fun of me for that vote ever since. And it won't stop. So <laughs> Love it. Uh, And he voted uh, very enthusiastically for uh, J.B. Pritzker. My concern at the time, uh, Ann Williams, was that uh, J.B. Pritzker had a host of controversies swirling around him that would be problematic in a general election against Bruce Rauner. Uh, Terry Cosgrove took great delight in saying how wrong I was about that. And because, as you know... Uh, and a record number of voters in Illinois also disagreed with you. Yes, they agreed with the fr- wasn't the first time that I was on the opposite side of the voters. Uh, and uh, but I've always felt that it was problematic. Uh, we teasingly called it toilet gate. Uh, and already Republicans are countering very legitimate issue of a fair tax. In my humble opinion, uh, Ann Williams, we desperately need a fair tax in the state of Illinois. I, 
applaud Pritzker for advancing it. Uh, progressive tax to charge, uh, have a higher rate on wealthier people so that we can raise the money we need to fund government. Already the Republicans are countering and they're saying as, well, why should we uh, pass uh, J.B. Pritzker's fair tax if he doesn't pay uh, his uh, property tax? Of course, he has paid back the $330,000 that he saved by having a Gold Coast apartment without a toilet. Um, Do you think, and that uh, this this latest reporting from McKinney of the uh, federal investigation, potential federal investigation, will undercut the efforts to have a fair tax in Illinois? Well, I certainly hope not. I, I have to say, I think the governor is doing a great job, and he's been a great leader thus far. Uh, the mood in the General Assembly on both sides of the aisle, frankly, is much more positive than it's been in recent memory, in fact, for the, about the past four years. We're actually moving forward. We're getting things done. We're talking about things like um, the environment. We're talking about things like making life better for those who are most vulnerable in the human services area. So uh, on to the fair tax issue, um, Illinois is one of, I think, only five or six states that don't use a graduated tax system. It doesn't make sense. It's an antiquated way of taxation and a regressive way of taxation. So it's definitely something that um, not only makes sense in terms of a political argument, but it's just practical. So I feel that um, there needs to be a lot of conversation. There needs to be a lot of education. I myself have a lot of questions about how it will work and what the property tax relief will look like. But the concept is certainly one that we need to move forward with. All right. And Terry Cosgrove, I assume uh, you still uh, feel confident that uh, you did the right thing in supporting J.B. Pritzker in 2018. You're still confident about that? One thousand percent confident. I mean, can I just point, uh, let, let me just point yeah, out? I, you that, can and you will. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind mm-hmm. that uh, what I said about J.B. bringing his resources to the general election campaign did not happen in spades. There are people that are giving his early vote program um, credit for Sean Caston, Lauren Underwood, six more pro-choice state representatives in the House, um, two more state senators. I mean, I don't think how anyone, Republicans don't argue with it, no one argues with it. JB executed a brilliant um, general election campaign, not only on behalf of his own candidacy, but on behalf of Kwame Raul, on behalf of everyone else running. And I think we owe him a debt of gratitude in this state that he helped move us forward on so many issues that progressives and Democrats care about. And I stand by him uh, one million percent for the great job that he did during the campaign and his proposals around reproductive rights and so many other things. And, you know, as I tell you all the time, Ben, I'm a one-trick pony, and yeah. you know what that trick is, and that's why I'm here today. But you Re- know, on reproductive the reproductive rights, yeah, and on the other stuff. So I know I don't have any, um, I don't have any second thoughts. Okay, whatsoever. watch this. Now. I mean, the, the the alternative was Bruce Rauner, and I'll tell you the other thing. And Anne is appreciates this as an incumbent state representative. Let's not forget, if Democrats control the General Assembly after the 2020 election, J.P. Pritzker, Speaker Madigan, and President Cullerton will draw that, not only the legislative map, but the congressional map Mm -hmm. through 2032. So if we have any hope of keeping Illinois a pro-choice state, keeping Illinois a state that that um, respects uh, LGBTQ rights and, and rights of every other person, 
then that's what J.B. Pritzker brought us. He brought us a map, a progressive pro-choice map for the next 10 years when Roe v. Wade is overturned. Right, no. That is the most important thing that came out of that election, okay. and I told you. So yeah, everything you else is white noise. <laughs> okay. Everything yeah. else is white noise. Yeah. Uh, all right, now, Ann, you heard a very definitive statement coming out of Terry Cosgrove's stuff. Now, watch a little ducking and dodging. I'm going to ask him this question. T- Terry I'm Cosgrove, uh, <laughs> watch this. Listen, we're going to watch some. Uh, should the Democrats uh, in Congress impeach Donald Trump, yes or no? I think they should conduct an investigation, a thorough investigation, and bring all the facts to light and then decide from there what should be done. I think it's way too early to even be talking about it. I don't understand what the debate is. All these subpoenas are out. All this, there's, you know, they're on a fact-finding mission right now. I think it would be a horrible mistake to not follow through with impeachment, with the facts and bringing the American public along as to why it's important. And the only way you're gonna make that case is to follow all the loose threads in the Mueller report and to do it. And so then when you get to that point, you make a decision whether to do impeachment. So I I don't even understand why he's being discussed until all the facts are on the table. It doesn't make any sense Well, because, by the way, that was not bad. I I have to applaud him. That was not ducking and dodging. the reason why, you know as well as I do, uh, Terry, you follow politics as well right. as I do, is that there's uh, some people in the Democratic Party, a little cautious, a little conservative, uh, who feel that if you go too hard, too aggressively at Donald Trump, uh, the great swing voters of the world, I don't even know where these swing voters exist, will turn against you, think you're being unfair I, to the president, and you'll lose. I don't buy that theory at all, and I don't even buy the what happened to Bill Clinton will happen to uh will happen to the Donald because of Bill Clinton's. Bill Clinton had a 53% um, approval rating Mm -hmm. during the impeachment. It went up to 58. I think Um, it went up to 73, but whatever. Yeah, up to 73. 73. Yeah, 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 up to 73. Mm -hmm. So we're in a completely different area. The national security wasn't uh, wasn't at stake over a blue dress. um, There wasn't... There, I mean, this is such a much bigger issue, but I still go back to, I, so, I don't, so I don't take this from a cautious standpoint. I think that, it's in, that having hearings and bringing the facts out will educate the American public as to the crimes that this man committed. If you jump into impeachment tomorrow, yeah. everyone's going, wait, we wanna bring the American people along Build with the us. Case. Build the case to why, and then, and in the end, it. They, if if that job is done well enough, then there will be pressure on Republican senators and House members to go along with it. And I think that's the important part here. Not that they need to be, you know, necessarily, but you have to bring the American public along. I see this as a great teaching instrument about our Constitution, about the rule of law, what it means to break the law, what it means to tell the truth under oath. This is a great civic lesson that can take place in this country over the next year. Let's not blow it. Let's do it. With you 100% on this. And in addition to that, just if if William Weld, the former governor of Massachusetts, Mm -hmm. doesn't uh, indeed run against Donald Trump. Who is pro-choice to answer your... um, Question about question pro-choice about Republicans. Republican. He is right. the one. Yeah, uh, and he's the one. <laughs> no, I think well, the Bush family. Isn't there some Bush? Aren't there some Bushes who are? Bush. Uh, George Bush yeah. probably used to be, and then he, well, you know, he went right. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, what I'm saying is, yes, you're if uh, if 
if this evidence that is uncovered, and I presume it will be uncovered, yeah. uh, shows that Donald Trump was up to his eyeballs and no good, that would fire up Weld's campaign. And uh, uh, that would be, I think, uh, beneficial to the entire c- country. I agree with you on this point, Terry. See, see, see agree. Yeah, I, well, I, I, we agree on 99% <laughs> of things. You're just wrong on a few things. <laughs> you think, yeah. Dan Biss. Uh, I voted for Dan Biss in 2008. Oh, Ann Williams raised clear, her hand. She voted for Biss. Well, no, I want to be was, clear. I, was, I will just say this before, so I don't want to leave that yeah. hanging out there. I, uh, I did. Uh, I was endorsed Dan this in the primary we are good friends and i have utmost respect for him but i did make a commitment that whoever came out of the primary i'd be 100 percent on board and i was and to jb's credit and his whole team embraced me the day after the primary i became an ally worked hard with them for his election and toward kwame raul and for all the the democratic candidates so that i think is a Amen. really test of character of jb that even if you weren't with him then you're with him now and you're on you know the program and he's been very inclusive and collaborative yeah. with all of us Regardless. And, and so Benny's still whining that. about this. <laughs> no, I'm actually wish I voted for Diber as uh, a dentist. That I we really do wish. Well, yeah, and I just want and I want to and I want to come back and say one thing. And yeah. I want to close down this 2018 election discussion. Till this day, I do not believe that Diber or Chris Kennedy or Dan Biss. It had nothing to do with them. It had to be had to do with defeating Bruce Rauner yes. and with all of his yeah. money. JB was the only person. And you know what? This irony that that what could be that was able to do it. So that's it, correct. That's hence so the big boy pants uh, exactly. quote. Put your big boy pants. All right. Now let's go back to uh, Republicans. Yes. And Republicans uh, in the state of Illinois, uh, there were always there used to be a group of them and uh, who were pro-choice. Fourteen state reps and seven wow. uh, and seven state senators. And Jim Thompson vetoed. Third, Jim Thompson vetoed most of these bills here. They were overridden by the Illinois General Assembly. Yeah. Jim Thompson vetoed 34 of 34 anti-abortion no bills kidding. in the 70s, and they came to his desk. That's for, how bad this was. For some of our younger listeners, yeah. Jim Thompson, a former governor of Illinois, Republican. Uh, all right. And Jim Edgar was yes, uh, Jim a Edgar. pro-choice. And Judy Barr. Judy Barr, to pick up what she never made governor. But uh, she was... Well, and Governor Ryan had one abortion bill that came across his desk and it was to cut off Medicaid funding for poor women because of, for health reasons, and he vetoed that bill. All right, now, so uh, the Reproductive Health Act bill uh, that, uh, excuse me, the Reproductive Health Act that you want to become law uh, that would eradicate some of these outrageous uh, infringements on abortion rights. Uh, Are there any Republicans in the state of Illinois currently? Wow. Not, not a single one. one. Not a single In the one. House or Senate. Not, not a one. single one. Not a single one. Nor were they for 40 either, right? No, we had no. not one. It was an entire. That's, yeah, no, HB 40 yeah. didn't have any. But, uh, you know, there's one. I, I mean, I, I want to backtrack. If there's one thing on here that's kind of a sneaker, it's called no confidentiality. Patient confidentiality will be protected as abortion reporting requirements sought out by anti choice groups. I know the history of this. This in the 70s and 80s you could see a license plate and call your state representative or you could go online to, well, there wasn't anything online, but you could call the, um, you could call the Secretary of State's office and find, like, if you saw Paris 15, which is my license plate, I can't believe I'm saying it on air. Yeah, I can't um, believe you did. That, <laughs> that, uh-oh, now I'm dead. Uh, and uh, you could call and find out who owned that car. Mm-hmm. There was, this bill was filed in the Illinois um, General Assembly mm-hmm. that required um, providers that people, um, doctors who did abortions to require very personal information about women to be 
given to the state of Illinois as public record, which revealed the town they were from. So it wasn't the normal um, public health stuff like a, an abortion procedure, the age, the race, you know, all that, mm-hmm. what county they're from. It got very, very specific because the anti-choice people were showing up at Planned Parenthoods and abortion procedures, writing down the license plates number of women who were there, finding out who they were, and then would go out and um, find women at their homes, find women at their workplace, and harass them. And um, so the the Illinois General Assembly had to pass a law that that shields now our license plate numbers from the public because of them, but this law passed, which is enjoined. So in other words, when Roe v. Wade is overturned, this portion of law, which require very specific personal information to to be made public, to the Illinois Department of Public Health, which will reveal very personal information about women, which will then be able to be followed up by any of these anti-choice terrorists that are out there. All right. Intimidation. Yeah, intimidation, harassment, not to mention violence. And the fear of it. So even if you're not one that's been stalked by the antis and and threatened, you know someone that has, or you're hearing about it in the news, or there's reports. So it has the effect of quelching uh, efforts from women to get just basic reproductive health care. So please, everyone listening out there, what I was gonna ask. Right. please call your state representative over and over for the next three weeks. If you don't know who that is, and 90% of people don't know who their state I don't know is. who my state knows, representative is. She's sitting yeah. right oh, over there. Okay, well that's easy. Service. You can tell her right now to vote for, vote so, no, for it. Seriously yeah. though, I 90% of people don't know who their state rep is. Yes. Um, I'm always surprised. Um, but at any rate, if you go to the personal bank website, we have a link that you can just click on it. It's a state of Illinois link. You put in your address. It tells you not only who your state rep is, your state senate, your member of Congress. You should memorize that for future. Uh, and then it will also give their contact information. It will give, you know, this is a state website. It's not personal path. We have a link on our website. Right, so I go gotcha. look for it. Click on it. It'll give you their phone number, their email address. And, and that uh, personalpack.org. Uh, personal That's personal easy. Personal, P-E-R-S-O-N-A-L, that kind of personal yeah. pack, P-A-C yeah. dot org. Yeah, and you can find all that information there. And this leaflet that we're looking at that you can't see in Radio Land is there as well. There you go. You see that, listeners? See that? See that? That's not. uh... All right. That is Terry Cosgrove from Personal Pack uh, and Ann Williams, my state representative as well. I want to thank Monroe Anderson uh, for being on the show earlier in the day. I want to uh, thank Miles Porter, our superstar uh, editor who helps us out every day. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. Ladies all love him for his body and his mind, as we said earlier (laughs) in the show. (laughs) And uh, what I'm going to do here, uh, live streamers, I'm just going to keep the live stream open. We got a special guest coming. Coming in for a bonus oh, yes, uh, interview. We do. Yes. We're going to post it on um, Saturday. Uh, but you know, we're just going to keep the live stream open. If okay. you happen to live on the live stream at about 3 30, we're going to jump back on here. So I'm going to, you know, uh, turn us down. And then when our guest comes in, wow. we'll talk to him. Tell him who our guest is. Mike Flannery, Channel 32. Oh, wow. Yeah, Flannery will be in here talking about all the political stuff of the day. And to tune in. Yeah, yeah. To tune in. Yeah, Mike a little Flannery's bonus for all you live streamers there. Yeah. So Mike just, Flannery's on his way over right now as yeah. we speak. So it'll be down for about 15 minutes or so and then we'll we'll turn it back up and we'll uh, let everybody hear that live stream all with, right uh, for just for that great idea young man give yourself a raise take it out of petty cash see you tomorrow everybody and also live streamers if you missed any of today's show you can download it at chicagoreader.com and chicago.suntimes.com i'm gonna cut it up about four o'clock 
It'll be available for all of you to listen to. Go check that out. And like I said, we're keeping the live stream open here, live streamers. Mike Flannery of Fox 32, investigative reporter, is going to be coming in. You guys can check that out. Downloaders, you know we live stream the show. Yeah, we do. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. You can catch bonuses like our interview with Mike Flannery. Check it out, everybody. Join us. 